Blog Talk Radio. show hope everybody's doing okay i know i am we're going to start with the return of danny garcia testing the waters like tony harrison said that the shallow waters (laughs) to be fair at 154 could it be tony harrison next that i would really like that fight i think it's a good fight for both sides um Anyway, Danny looked good, looked pretty sharp, all things considered. We'll talk about the rest of the card. We did get uh, a slobber knocker as the co-feature. That was a fun fight. And we were well on our way to having a very interesting, entertaining two-way fight that unfortunately got stopped way, way too early. Also, Billiam Smith and Chamberlain, we talked about how that could be a banger, and it it sure was. Really, really fun fight. I have seen some people saying it's the fight of the year. I wouldn't go that far, but it's it's it was fun, dude. It was really, really fun. Um, and by the way, if you haven't seen that, you can see it uh, on Fight TV for a very low charge. I think it's that monthly charge, kind of like uh, like you know how Triller has like the monthly thing that's pretty inexpensive. Fight TV, I think, has that as well. You can check it out right there, just so you know. Because um, it wasn't uh, televised here in the states, but that William Smith and Chamberlain that was a really fun fight, good two-way fight. Um, so we'll start, you know, with recap, of course, as we do per usual. We will talk about the fights coming up this week, and obviously, a lot of the news lately has been the Jake Paul Hasim Rockman Jr. fight being canceled, not postponed, canceled. We do have a little bit more details on that, thanks to Steven Espinoza setting the record straight a couple different times on Twitter. You know, we heard from Jake, we've heard from Hasim, and we're going to go over a little bit of the details, talk about it, you know, fairly quickly, and then move on. I don't want to spend much time on this. That'll be a little bit later in the show. And of course, we do have, speaking of returning, as I mentioned, Danny Garcia returned, well... Michael Conlon returns from his uh, pretty vicious knockout to face Miguel Mariaga, which I think is a legit opponent considering. 
And then Virgil Ortiz is back against Michael McKinnison. Can his style, some of the crafty things he do, some of the awkward stuff that he can do, can he, well, go the distance? Obviously, you know, you have an 18-0 with 18 KOs for Ortiz. Can he go the distance? So he's returning. Um, there's also a Pro Box uh, TV card uh, on Friday. Uh, that we'll at least discuss. So we'll preview and predict, uh, you know, some of those fights there, talk a little bit about the undercard um, and whatnot. Um, And then, of course, fight news. I just mentioned, you know, a bit of fight news with the fight that was supposed to happen this weekend. And it really sucks for the undercard fighters. You know, when when this type of stuff happens, it always sucks uh, for the undercard, if we're being honest. You know what I mean? I would have liked to seen Jake Paul against the, a quote-unquote real boxer. You know, some people didn't think this was going to be much of a fight because, you know, Hasim had been knocked out in his last fight, but just off the amount of amateur fights he had, no matter what level, real fight. So that does kind of suck. But other than that, like I said, we'll preview and predict. But we do have some really good news out there. Um... You know, Jose Zapata and Regis Progre was ordered for the WBC vacant title. Of course, uh, Josh Taylor vacated it after he won the undisputed from Jose Ramirez. Well, speaking of Jose Ramirez, you know, as we know, it was supposed to be Zapata-Ramirez rematch, which I was really looking forward to. I thought that was a great fight. But it, I guess, you know, Ramirez has a wedding. Has, is it his wedding, I assume? or maybe someone very close to him. I actually never did uh, check that part out. But point is, he's not going to fight. It sounds like he's going to fight the winner of Zapata and Progre. And so that's a really good fight. I'm, I mean, I really like that fight. And, you know, Progre, the last two years or so, has been stubborn about I'm staying at 140 and I'm going to get another belt. And, uh you know, he's missed weight, mediocre. He's just been kind of at a standstill. Uh, so it's got to be pretty frustrating for him. Uh, really, ever since, you know, his loss to Ramirez, it's been pretty frustrating for him. So, uh, like, he was supposed to maybe sign a multi-fight deal with the PBC. comes in overweight. Um, you know, he got a, a fight on the undercard of uh, some thriller thing that ended weird. You know, like... It, he just had a, a weird, you know, he signed with Pro Bellum and whatnot. So um, I'm happy for him. I'm definitely happy for him. And, you know, 140, if he can continue to make the weight, is a better weight for him, I would have to say. And now that, as he's even said, that there's, you know, 140 does have talent there already. And slowly but surely, Teofima Lopez, Devin Haney before long, Fighters are good. Ryan Garcia. Fighters are going to come up from 135 to make 140 that much deeper. Um, and so yeah, there is some other news. The Lee Wood stuff, pretty funny. Uh, Eddie Hearn, you know, reiterates that, or, or petitions, not reiterates, <laughs> petitions. Um, he's petitioning the WBA uh, from the 75-25 to try to get it to 60-40 for the Lee Wood Santa Cruz fight. We, you know. We heard even from media members, I guess you could maybe call them. Well, I even saw them from 
quote unquote legitimate media members, uh, especially from the UK, shout out to the UK, um, that they were really pressing Leo like, you know, like he's going to duck him, like he's afraid to fight Wood. He won't fight him. Now, I can understand the folks that said he won't go overseas, you know, something he didn't do uh, with Frampton. Okay, that's one thing, but to sit there and say he's going to duck him. That was a little weird, and, and you know, 75-25 for the WBA does not surprise me. You could say, oh, 60-40, it should be cool. If, if, that's what it, if that's what it is, then maybe they'll make that fight. But right now, it sounds like they're looking at other options and maybe allowing that unification with Ray Vargas and Leo Santa Cruz, which, be, which I've always said, which I think is the better fight, but I'm happy with either one of them. So... We'll see where that goes. We do, like I said, have a variety of fight news. And, you know, a lot of people are right now just wondering, you know, what's up um, with the boxing schedule, the fall schedule. Here we are, the second day of August, and we need that September, October, November, December to start to fill up. And And I do believe, you know, we're in the dog days of summer making major announcements at this time isn't always the ideal thing, especially if it is for a Spence Crawford or something like that, Um, or even just a a big announcement, you know, announcing four or six fights or something like that, like Showtime will do. They'll announce a big schedule. So um, September is much better than July and August, let's put it that way. You can even see, like, for instance, the – I mean, the DAZN – the DAZN schedule in August is pretty light, uh, especially main events. Same with Showtime. Some of their undercard stuff is very interesting, like this last weekend, but the main event stuff, Broner Figueroa last weekend, not really a lot of, you know, huge interest, especially this last weekend. At least Broner and Figueroa are kind of at the same stages of their career and need a big win, so hopefully that's entertaining. But I do like the undercard, two undercard bouts on that triple header. Um, clearly August, the best fight is, is Usyk and, and Andy Joshua rematch. Now there has been rumors that the zone will get it here in the States. Um, I hope that it's just straight up. I hope it's not pay-per-view, um, because they may charge a lower rate pay-per-view here in the States. I don't know. Uh, I know that I, I did get a, a couple messages and see on my timeline on Twitter some of the UK fight fans kind of pushing back saying, Hey, you told us it was going to be, you know, um, like Golovkin and uh, Canelo, Oh, you know, in the middle of the night in the morning uh, was going to be part of your subscription for DAZN. And now we, we know that's not true. In fact, they did release the pay-per-view number or not the numbers, but the the price, the numbers that it'll cost us. Um, The one that kind of surprised me was Canada. Golly, really? Canada's got to pay that much for that? Um, I think it's more than the second fight by like $5 here in the States. But I'm really hoping that, of course, we know it's a pay-per-view in the UK. Sky Sports has that Usyk and uh, AJ rematch. Um, And that makes a ton of sense. But let's hope that they can keep it off of pay-per-view here here in the States. You know what I mean? Afternoon pay-per-view probably won't do that well. But, you know. Maybe they want to earn some revenue off of it. Maybe not. Uh, we never did hear anything about the Fury White pay-per-view numbers. And when you when you don't hear a thing, um, it, it gets a little weird. You 
just never know. But yeah, the fall schedule, a lot of, you know, I, I, the theory I have is, and I've seen a lot of people talking about this lately, you know, we were so spoiled so far this year, especially from April to June or through, you know, to July, I should say the last two months, you know, are kind of lighter, obviously. Um, but we've been so spoiled that we're like, okay, you know, my timeline is just full of this Jake Paul stuff. And it's like, man, we really need that fall schedule released uh, or just more fights. Uh, like I said, like the ESPN schedule in August, mm, you know, Tiafimo Kampa, mm, uh, the Navarrete fight, that might be pretty good. That guy's all right. He's pretty good, actually. Maybe at a, I don't know about featherweight, but he's all right, um, especially at 122. I think he's a pretty decent fighter. But as you get into it, if you look at Sky Sports, but that's ESPN Plus here, so that is ESPN schedules, that double header of those women fights. That's going to be great. And then I do like the opponent for Shakur Stevenson. Concesa uh, or whatever his name is, who a lot of people thought beat Valdez. Um, so it, it's going to get better. Like I said, I do think whatever the conclusion is with Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, um, whatever that conclusion is, hopefully they make the fight. Um, Actually, we did get a minor update of where we're at because we've heard lately that, oh, the fight's going to be off. It's, it's at a standstill. They're not even talking anymore. We, we've heard rumors of that. Espinoza did clear that up a little bit. Um, but that's probably what's going to make the domino fall, the conclusion of that, whether it gets made or not. Then they'll, they'll probably, Showtime will probably announce fights. Um, and now, if, you know, if Tank and Ryan are really – in negotiations, which I do have a minor update with that, uh, that we'll talk about during the news. That's going to take a little while too. You know what I mean? So if at all, to be honest with you, um, and there's, there's some more stuff, especially the PBC side, there is a little bit more. That's obviously if they get it done, that's their fight spent in, 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 in Crawford. So they're probably waiting on that. We have already seen the January announcement potentially, well, not an announcement, but, you know, the fact that Charlo and Sue are going to fight in January. And and I wouldn't rule out the other, you know, the, either a new Showtime deal being announced. Like I mentioned, I've mentioned Paramount Plus or CBS Sports or maybe a combination of both, which would be great. I already have cable. So if it's on CBS Sports, that'd be great. Just like FS1 has been really great because they show a lot of boxing on FS1. And then Paramount Plus would be dope, too, um, if it's not some other thing getting involved. I mean, I wouldn't – who knows? You know, who knows? Maybe Amazon's interested in it. Who knows? You know, so it could be a bunch of stuff getting clogged up. It kind of reminds me of 2018 where it's like, huh, we got a little low. We're not hearing much. But like I said, PBC, based off their Fox deal in 2019 – you know, up until now, this year's been a lot different, but they have dates that they need to fill with something from somebody, right? So that could play a part in all this, too. I wouldn't be surprised if Showtime and PBC announce a new deal and then have a schedule, or PBC announces one with Showtime and some, something else, or maybe, like I said, that they're using their parent company, CBS, to do CBS Sports and Paramount. Um, just keep it all on, on one umbrella, which would be dope, too, like I said. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe none of that will happen. It'll just be a showtime deal. I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, the fall schedule, I hear you people out there. You know, I, I, I'm with you actually just the other day. Who was it? Lukey. Shouts out to Lukey. He, uh, <laughs> he was saying the same thing. He, he's like, so what's, what's up? What's up with the fall schedule? Anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show directly there or listen to the browser. If you don't want to, you can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called the Direct TV Stream. It's the Supreme TV Experience. Stream the best of live and on demand, starting with 75 live TV channels, online only. And right now, for two months, you get $40 off the prices. The packages start as low as $69.99. Um, if, if you go to Choice or Ultimate, that'll include the HBO Max, Showtime, Stars, and Epics, and Cinemax, already included for three months. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. That is DirecTV Stream. Okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty of this thing, shall we? Um, I... Uh, I didn't expect a whole lot out of this fight, to be honest with you. And I'm talking, of course, the Danny Garcia-Jose Benavides fight. Now, after three or four rounds, I was like, huh, hold on. We might get a decent little fight here. But then Benavides kind of uh, – the combination of Danny Garcia being a little slicker, doing a little outside work, just making him miss – and pay and using his footwork, using some of his uh, some of his movement that he actually has, but barely ever. You know, we see him counter with the left hand and whatnot, but he just basically boxed nicely against Benavides, and Benavides started looking for one big shot. He wasn't using his jab as much, um, but yeah, like I said, early on. Um, the second half of that first round, he was landing combos, and they were pretty fast. The, the first, I don't know when the, what round it was where Benavides even, not just his output, but the speed on his punches kind of fell off too. And a lot of that is inactivity, right? Uh, he's an awkward fighter, no doubt about it. His style is pretty strange. But um, beyond that first round, as far as giving him a round, I'm not, I mean, the sixth round, I think the sixth round, you could maybe, or no, the ninth round, that's what it was, the ninth round. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could just see Danny Garcia was busier, uh, landed to the head and body, uh, whereas Benavides was just kind of a jab here, jab there. Even like the third round, he'd have a good start with, land, you know, land some combos, but then Garcia would take the round over and kind of land his little combination and then escape outside the pocket uh, and kind of jab and, you know, quick little shoe shine body shots as well. He definitely attacked the body, did Danny Garcia. He was boxing well. He looked pretty sharp. And like I said, beyond these little pockets of success within a round where, you know, you, for Benavides, it's like, dude, follow up on it. 
and he just wasn't able to follow up on it, whether his output was low because, you know, that's one of them. But also, Danny still has pop at 54, clearly not the power he had uh, at 140. We saw that was evident at, at 147. But his body did look good, I'll say that. Um, and, you know, he would – those fast combos, and then he dipped. You know what I mean? So – I don't know, man. He he, uh, he was making a miss. He looked sharp, considering how long December 2020, considering how long, that's what, 19, 20 months? He, he was out for a while. Now, I think it was the, was it the ninth round that he finally, like, threw more than one punch at a time, and he was able to score, like, several, like, effective blows, I think, in the ninth round? That was about it, though. Um, I don't know what, you know, between the stoppage in the early fight, the the opener fight, and then the 114-114 card, I mean, that was that was garbage, dude. That was garbage. I mean, that was horrible, man. Um, I, you know, I say I can't believe it, but, you know, this is boxing, so of course I can believe it, but that that was ridiculous. I mean, even the 8-4 to four is like, really? So you gave Benavidez four rounds in there? He won four rounds. Okay. One thing we did get after the fight that was a bit of a surprise was, you know, finding out that Danny Garcia was struggling with uh, depression. Got that off his chest. I know some people were giving him shit, of course, because, you know, he's a big, tough athlete that's a boxer and he can't cry. But it definitely, I don't know, when you're in front of a camera, even at like, uh, you know, I went to, I took, I, I went to acting school for a while. And sometimes when you're, telling a personal thing all of a sudden in front of people, and this is in front of a much more people than I did or other people, you're in front of the, you know, a lot of, a lot of people. And then on social media later, it just hits you like a brick. And all of a sudden you're like cheered up. You're, you're, you're cheered up and you're crying and you're whatever. Um, you know, you're emotional, <laughs> even if you don't full on cry, but he did, uh, that kind of caught me off guard. Um, but, you know, 233 to 117 as far as punches landed, 746 to 600, what was it, a 31% land for Danny Garcia? Even the jab, I mean, 80 to 18, and then here's the kicker. So what I say, 233 and 80 of those are uh, jabs as far as Danny Garcia, 153 to 12 to the body, even if that's a – 90 to 12 <laughs> to the body. That's pretty impressive. Um, so like I said, this was getting your feet wet at the weight class. And that's going in. That's what most of us thought. Uh, I didn't think Benavidez. I did hear Espinoza say, we think this is going to be a pretty close, closely matched fight. And, you know, he's got to sell it. But I didn't see that. Um, you know, on paper. Like I said, those first three, four rounds, I thought, okay, we could get something here because he's landing clean punches. But, you know, he took over. Now, Tony Harrison was in the house. Um, we know Arislandi Lara has been calling out Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman. Did he call out Jermel Charlo? Um, obviously, Charlo is kind of busy right now. But a 160 strap, which is more than likely going to be him, his, at a 155 catch weight, Thurman's game, Danny Garcia's game, you can't really, you can't really fault these guys for that. 
I mean, would you rather fight an aged um, guy that doesn't move as much in Arislani Lara than, than Charlo with all that power? And by the way, he's skillful too and can counter and set up shots. I mean, and he's just been on a hot streak. So, yeah, now I'd probably want to take on Arislani Lara. Now, the one thing I'll say, you know, obviously Danny and Lara stylistically screams like, hmm, how is that going to play out in the ring right now? We know, like I just said, a guy that is more in the pocket now in Lara. Um, and, and that's been for a while uh, against Hurd and against Castaño, by the way, too. So it's not like he just did that against these last three or four guys he's been fighting just quick little nothing fights. We're talking about, you know, Hurd in his prime and, 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 and you know, Castaño. So um, I think that helps. But my point is, as far as Danny Garcia, though, like if Danny Garcia, and it's a different style than what he just fought, obviously, but if he wasn't going to come forward much against Jose Benavidez, how much is he going to come forward against Lara? Because it looks like he'd be just, wouldn't he be just walking right into the trap that Lara's going to set? Don't know if he'll have the confidence and the power and all that to, to, be coming forward like he used to do at 140, and we saw that more at 147, but especially at 140, like I said. So, would he do that? I, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, and it's been a while. Arslan Lara's resume is nice, really quality. Um, win, lose, or draw. But I mean, you know, of late he hasn't really fought anybody, so. I could see why Lara's trying to fight a bigger name and, and get some more money off it. But if that fight happens, I'm not going to sit there and complain about it. Same with the Keith Thurman, Lara. I just don't, I just, I'm not, I can see why they'd want to get a middleweight you know, title. Um, Cause that'll probably, he'll probably be the one titleist because more than likely Golovkin is not going to go down and fight um, Arislandi Lara after the Canelo fight. Maybe he would, you never know. Uh, maybe their contract's up with the zone or something, and, and then that parlays into that, and they try to set up the Charlo fight. Yeah, I don't know. You know, they would have to really not – well, not necessarily, I guess you could say. I bet you Heyman would be willing to send uh, Lara over to the zone, but who knows? It's just not likely to be at 68, come back to 60, and then, you know, it's still a difficult style for Golovkin, even if uh, – you know, Golovkin's way past his prime, too, or at least past his prime, I should say. So, But Tony Harrison, stylistically, that's kind of interesting because Danny knows Harrison can be hurt and stopped. Now, the guys that did it have more power than, you know, uh, what Danny does at this weight class. But and, and I just think that's a great matchup. And it's a it's a big name for Danny, or you know, it's a good name for Danny Garcia, and it's a big name for Tony Harrison, and that would maybe put him in the running for a possible trilogy with Charlo uh, at some point here soon. Uh, when I mean soon, like boxing soon is like a year from now. You know what I mean? You never know. You know. Um, and I think I would favor Tony Harrison in that fight. Now, you know, Harrison, his fight beyond, you know, he just had a really good performance the fight before it wasn't so good. But, you know, there's something to that. He was out of the ring. He was having personal issues. 
you know, family issues and whatnot. He had lost some close to him, so I totally get that. He looked a lot better in his last fight, so sign me up for that. I think Harrison has actually fought at the Barclays, hasn't he? But either way, sign me up. That's a that's a really fun fight. Harrison has enough skill and enough power. In fact, like beyond the chin, he's probably got more power than uh, than Lara at this weight class, especially how he applies it. Uh, but he can move. He's got great movement and, and a jab. Man, that guy's got a great jab. So he's he's not all that different from Lara in a sense, anyway. As far so you know, I don't know. I mean, does he want to? That's the thing. Take a, a, a you know a, a fight with Tony Harrison, or maybe win a middleweight belt. You could say, oh, it's a catchweight. Yeah, great. You know, we've seen catchweights for years, dude. Sugar Ray Leonard, my favorite fighter, one of the better fighters of all time, top ten in my mind. He did a uh, you know he did a catchweight where you know there was two different belts, two different weights, whatever. But my point is, I could see why they'd want that as a fighter. Why wouldn't you? take that shot um as far as danny garcia goes two things um one's more of a negative one's a positive obviously when we talk negative about danny it's it's really more angel what angel says um but danny's included in two out of the three of these things i mean the danny thinks he beat thurman and he thinks he beat porter now the porter fight i thought was closer you know, I think he has an argument there at least, whereas the Thurman fight, the only reason why I was – well, I shouldn't say the only reason why I was close because the last few rounds, Thurman clearly felt he was up on the, you know, up on the cards and just, just slept walk to try to just get through the rest of the fight. Now, some of that was injuries, right, as he said, and, and as far as the Danny side there, he did cause those injuries. So, you know – um, it, it, I don't know. I just don't think he, I don't, I don't really know too many people unless you really like Danny Garcia, which I do like Danny Garcia. Uh, I'll say love it like a fanboy of him. I, I don't really see too many people thought he beat Thurman. Um, but as far as, you know, the, the reason why people, some people don't like Danny based off angel and then you know, the gift, you know, the decision he probably shouldn't have got against Mauricio Herrera, right? I mean, the Lamont-Peterson fight was close, but if you look at how Peterson fought in that fight, you're like, mm, I don't know. That could have been a draw, you know, um, whereas Herrera did, it did look like he won that fight. But, you know, a ticket seller winning a, a competitive fight, um, it wasn't this whitewash that some people, it's a 10-2. It wasn't that, but he beat him. I thought Herrera beat him. But um, a ticket seller getting a, dis, a favorable decision is not crazy in boxing, so there's really no reason to hate about that. But um, a lot of it has to do with the order in which his fights have come. But if you – and this is the flip side of it. Well, let's go negative first, actually. The, the problem I have – of late is Angel talking about the Spence fight. And actually, Spence and him kind of went back and forth, and they cleared it up amongst each other because it was like, hey, this is more pointing at your dad. Because for his dad to be like, you know what, if it wasn't for COVID or, or the mental health issues my, my son was having, it, he, he brings up that 2020 fight. Because remember, they were going to fight in January 2020. That was the working date. 
And uh, what did he fight in March or something like that? But he, you know, he's, he's talking about oh that night. If 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 we fought Spence that night, we would have won. And that's just like bullshit. First of all, okay, you went through some mental health stuff. That's fair. You know, that is totally fair. You need to be right in your mind, and and that does affect your performance. But to be fair, though, and then he he talked about, you know, how we were like in prison in the hotel and they're dropping off the food because there was no contact. Dude, that was every fight. That was every fight. That's why I don't don't really listen to the excuse uh, when people – uh, pro gray didn't eat during that. Um, Benavidez, other people miss weight. It's like you just miss weight, dude, because everybody else has to deal with the same thing. It sucks, no doubt, but it's not like Spence was sitting in a restaurant eating. You know what I mean? And you weren't, you know? So, and not only that, but Spence, although he did it to himself, he was still coming off, you know, you want to talk about mental health. I mean, the first time he was getting hit, the way he explains it, it, was pretty crazy, you know, like he's talking about how it hurt during sparring for a while, you know, and, and how he had a lot of internal stuff going on, not just, you know, physically and mentally, I'm sure to get over the hump. Um, so to sit there and say, Oh, if it wasn't for that, we would have won dude. that night of the red catch fight. We would have won him that night. It's like, well, then Spence wouldn't have even been healthy to fight, dude. Like, and like I said, it was Spence's own doing, but like, it's just a stupid excuse, and that's where I'm glad Spence kind of straightened that out on Twitter, saying it to Danny it was more at your dad because that's bullshit. And so all these excuses, like the Porter fight, sure, but the Thurman fight, you didn't win, dude. You didn't win the Thurman fight. The only reason why it was seven to five, if you had it that way, because the last three rounds, you know, oh boy, was on his ten speed. Now he was on his ten speed for a reason. Two reasons. One, Danny did hurt him to the body, which is not a surprise with Thurman, and he hurt him with his elbow or whatever, too. Um, but also, he was up on the cards, which was clear when the cards, you know, were red. So, I think that's bullshit. Now, on the flip side, the positive side, the undervaluing Danny Garcia, if you just look at the names on his resume, and then the layers of veterans, whether it's right now or, you know, in the last five, six years or when he was coming up, he didn't get this easy ride to get to 23 fights and didn't fight anybody. It was just knocking everybody out, easy fights. Like, I'm not trying to give him some sort of major credit for beating Morales. That's not who I'm talking about when I'm talking about bets. No, it's good for name recognition back then, but I don't look at that as like, oh, wow, that was amazing. It was a good highlight knockout <laughs> that helped him, but – there were some bets in there as a prospect that he didn't get – they didn't hold his hand. Um, I Like I said, I really think it's the order in which he fought. Like another thing that I think people kind of go over the top with, I understand to be critical, is his path from 140 to 147 and how he did catch weights. But, you know, he took on Lamont Peterson in one of those fights. He took on a rugged at that time – Solid Guerrero fight. That's like an eight to four fight in Guerrero. Now the the and that was his full fledged one forty seven vacant belt. Whatever. I'm not really looking at that as a big accomplishment. Um, but that was a good TV fight. Lamont Peterson. That was a close fight. Now the the Paulie Malignaggi who had been past his prime by that time. I get it. So 
It took him a couple fights to go to 47. Well, okay, sue him. One of those fights were Lamont Peterson, dude. It wasn't like he was fighting complete no one. You know, people kind of get caught up in, oh, Samuel Vargas. Okay, dude, I hear you. Like I said, the order is a little messed up, but if you look at the second, I mean, beyond the Amir Khan as an underdog, Matisse as an underdog, fighting Thurman, Porter, Spence, just beyond that, that layer of veterans, shit, Mauricio Herrera, like the layer of veterans beyond that, even as a prospect and a contender coming up, his resume's damn good, and, and it'll be some of the same people that talk about, oh, these fighters are afraid to lose. You know, back in the day, we'd still, you know, we can appreciate if you lose, no big deal. But then he gets dogged on because of his what? Because of his because uh, of Angel, and because he got a, a, a you know favorable decision against Herrera. I just think it's I think he's undervalued. That's all. I think he's you know a first ballot Hall of Famer right away. I think he he should get in. Um, but the way they have it now where you're just in or, you know, you don't have to wait five years, that's going to clog up the voting, you know. But I think if, I think he should be in at some point. I really do. But based off of what he did at 140 as an underdog in some of those fights and also his resume. So I think he's underrated that way. I really do. I think um, – there's guys that don't have nearly, don't even have as good a win as him, and also don't have the resume as him that get more praise because, I don't know. I, I just think he's a little undervalued. That, that's my to say, oh, you know, he'd beat Charlo, bro, at 54. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But anyway, let's move on to Koznowski and Demarazin. Um this is exactly what we thought we'd get. Um, I guess you could say, like, from rounds 5 to 10, it wasn't as competitive, right? Because Koznowski sounds like he got a little hurt, but he was just getting, you know, I think he only won maybe one or two rounds past the fifth round. But it was fun. Like, when the, that old, you know, the old statement, the old uh, labeling something, uh, you know, a, a slobber knocker. I really think that that fit, you know what I mean? I think that fit it perfectly because um, that's exactly what we got. We really did. Uh, you know, Koznowski started out really well. I mean, he threw like, I don't know, like 120-something punches in the first round. Uh, he's working the body, landing the right to the head, using his jab. Um, Demarazin, though, you know, his – even that first round, he closed pretty strong with his hook, left hook, and straight right hands. And I, so I, I kind of was it was it was two two after four, but there were back and forth rounds. Um, I gave the second and third to to Demarazin. I thought that um, he it just seemed like he got stronger as the round went on, and he started, you know, along with the left hook in the right hand, that right uppercut, you know, a. a, a a punch that Koznowski usually lands, and it seemed like he, he was he was there, but he wasn't able to. Um, that uppercut was big for Demarison. I really thought that that was a key to the fight. Um, and in little spots, it was kind of strange to see Koznowski moving a little bit. Um, not much on that move, that upper body movement, but just moving, you know, but later in the fight when he'd move, you're like, oh, this is probably not a good, good sign. 
Um, and even like in the fourth round, good back and forth. Um, but I thought Koznowski landed the better, better shots, like a big right hook. I remember a couple of those, but then, yeah, from five to 10, uh, it was hard. The better shots landing on the inside, just getting the better shots, even though it was back and forth, he was overall landing the cleaner shots in a variety. Even the eighth round was like an action-packed round, and I thought maybe a couple of those lands were a little harder from Koznowski. I did give him the eighth, but that's about it. That's about it. Um, I mean, after a while, the Koznowski's you know neck was just snapping, and it's like, ooh. And, he, and once you saw him on the ropes, it was like, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. You're definitely going to be in trouble. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's 10th round, bombs away. It was a fun fight. It was exactly what I thought it'd be. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say exactly because I did think Koznowski would be more competitive uh, in the second half of the fight. Two scorecards had it 97-93, one had it 96-94. Um, yeah, I think 6-4 is fair. Uh, maybe 7-3. 7-3 is fine with me as well, I think. Um, but, yeah, man, it's <laughs> that was fun. That was fun, and I, I – what round? It was somewhere in the early rounds that he did hurt his right hand, and he was kind of Leo Santa Cruz in it. You know how you, they always flick it a little bit? Some Not always, but some people will flick their hands or, like, turn their hands a little bit. And uh, so overall, though, I mean, for heavyweights and not ripped in shape heavyweights, which that can be deceiving, as we know, but for them to throw the amount of punches, I mean, Demers and through – 915, Koznowski 851, both of them 28 and 32%. Koznowski did land 107 to 74 or something to the body. Or no, 107 to like in the teens, if I remember correctly. So he definitely worked the body and whatnot. But I'd say down the stretch, it was just getting a little too arm punchy. And he'd land a good punch, and then the follow-up punch was like, "Mm, not that effective. You know what I mean? Not that effective at all. So um, overall, though, it was pretty much what I thought we'd get, um, you know, from it. But, yeah, the second half of the fight wasn't as competitive, um, which that's a that's a nice, solid win uh, for Demir, Demirzen, however you say his name. Um, I think that's a good win for him, and that keeps him going. And, and the PBC have plenty of heavyweights that he can fight now. So will they be at this, you know, fringe contender? Yeah. I mean, that's probably where it'll be. It'll be one of these prospects, maybe one of those young prospects that fought those Cuban prospects. Maybe that'll be one of those fights um, that he'll get next, but it keeps him alive. I did hear, uh, well, it keeps his career alive. Jeez, I'm like talking about him like he's dead or something. <laughs> um, but as far as Koznoski, he did state that he'd like to go out um, with a bang, like with a win, which, you know, if it's deep into a card or those YouTube fights before, that's cool. I do think we're at a stage where unless it's a gatekeeper mode and it would be an opener with one of those Cubans or something like that, and it's just trying to get experience for these young fighters, like I said, gatekeeper. Otherwise, I, I really don't. I, I mean, he's always going to be able to, not always, but he's going to be able to sell some tickets. So when you're at the Barclays, yeah, sure, it's always good to have him on the card. But 
I would hope it would it wouldn't be a cult feature. Let's put it that way. He lost three times in a row. But I can also see why he wants to go out with a win and then go on with life outside of boxing, and that's fair, too. Um, but, yeah, he probably should hang it up here soon. He's taking some – even when he's won fights, you know. I mean, that Areola fight. Okay, so the opener, which I – I think because of the main event, people were kind of sleeping on this card. Like, it was just going to be a shitty – it's a shitty card because of the main event. Um, you know, we got a slobber knocker, right? Uh, what they always call big guys that look out of shape is a slobber knocker. We got that as the go feature. And I actually was interested. Stylistically, I didn't know what uh, Bartellamy, you know, would bring because it's always kind of funky with him. Um, but I – Regardless if it was going to be a slow fight, a medium, kind of pockets of, you know, activity or just a good fight, which it turned out to be uh, while it was going. Um, I thought this was good for Russell at this stage to, to fight a veteran guy. This is a real fight for a contender who only, what was that, a 16th fight? So we'll talk about, you know, the horrendous stoppage in a second. But Bartholomew, or Bartholomew not Bartholomew. Bartellamy. Um I liked what he was bringing. He he actually brought some some rust on the inside a little bit, and he was letting his hands go. Russell kind of came in, and he he is crafty. Like I said, he could take a strength away from you at times. He could slow down a fight. We know that a lot of people don't like his style, and I, and that's understandable, especially that Easter Junior fight. But he is skilled though. That's the key thing. And, um, you know, he was going to the body, like literally in the first round. Uh, He landed a big right hand that stumbled him right on the jaw. Perfect shot. So, you know, I definitely gave him the first round. I gave him some rounds here. You know what I mean? I did think Russell won the second round. Um, You know, he uh, the right hook along with the jab, a few couple nice shots in there. Uh, you could kind of see Bartellamy moving a little bit more in that second round, but he still did land his jab uh, and some nice uppercuts in there. The third round, you know, counters and some activity, some little quick punching from Bartellamy, and then the aggressive pressure from uh, Russell. That was a toss-up round. I did give uh, Bartellamy the fourth, though. Um, I thought, you know, the the left hand, those counters, like midway, plus he closed with, like, better shots. There were some fun exchanges in that round and throughout this fight. They were definitely trading hooks, you know, and it seemed like in the fourth anyway, uh, Bartellamy got the, got the best of it from Russell. Now, Russell in the fifth round seemed like he was kind of uh, going to the body more, landing some short little uh, – combinations on the inside, which I thought were pretty effective. Uh, Bartholomew, a little, he had his moments, but he was moving a little bit more, kind of jabbing and moving and whatnot. Um, Russell was kind of mixing it up on him. Um, and then Russell, this is where it gets funky, right? Uh, like Russell before, like 35 seconds in to that round, uh, knocked him down, but before that, he landed a really nice right hook to the chest, 
And I was like, okay, you do more of that. And, and I believe it was a lead right hook or lead right hand at least. Yeah, I think it was a hook. Um, pretty early in that round, that knocked him down. Um, and it was clean. I mean, he definitely did. When he landed, you could, you could see Bartholomew tried to get up and he kind of stumbled around. Uh, like he, he kind of flopped over like, hold on, let me get a couple more seconds here. But then he got up and he walked. He kind of had this look on his face. Like a lot of fighters do, like, I'm good, dude, we're good. Everything's fine. There's no problem, you know. And he's kind of walking, looking at his corner, which, you know, whether you should either look at your corner, well, you should do both. You should look at the ref and look at the corner, right? And that's what he was doing. He's looking at the corner. He's walking away. And this is where it got real strange. So and I really would have liked, and I've heard many people say this, that an interview with the referee. You know, when there's some judges or a judge that has a scorecard that's really opposite, they should have to have an interview after fights at the press conferences um, in, in, in the ring. If not in the ring, for sure, after, uh, during the press conference. They need to talk to some of these refs. Now, we've seen that from time to time, but this would have been a perfect example of, like, Let's hold this guy responsible right here, right now. Because tell me, like, the only advantage he really has is looking into the fighter's eyes. Because we see so many angles, and you saw a variety of angles in this knockout, or stoppage, premature stoppage, a horrible stoppage, really, um, that we saw his legs. And they weren't horrible. He wasn't stumbling all over the place. He wasn't off balance. He wasn't like standing there and, and you could see his, his feet moving to try to balance himself, like tipping back or anything like that. The only thing you could say, and this is really like being like ticky tack, right? Trying to really bend over for this guy, pause, to, to say, okay, dude, let me, let me see what this ref was thinking. So when he said, come walk to me, I guess technically, and I'm stretching it here, uh, just trying to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, which is really extremely hard here. But, Bar, you know, Bartellamy did walk to his left. But when you're in, you know, so he didn't walk straight to him, right? And I, I see that he's looking into his eyes. So clearly he's seeing something in his eyes that's not great or whatever, or at least he thinks that. But, and I realized that the New York, athletic commission is a lot more strict now because we know what's happened in the past. Right. Um, but that wouldn't that, that have been a perfect time to tell him to walk five steps to your side and come back. We've seen that in a bunch of fights, but especially in New York city at the Barclay at Madison, we've seen that that's like something they put in to be like, Hey, go walk over there and come back to me. Why didn't you do it right there? He was so looking into his eyes, and like I said, that's the only benefit that the ref does have is really looking into a fighter's eyes. And it's just like, man, you had time to be like, hey, go walk eight steps and come back. You know, if you, if you think he's so off kilter, that would have been a perfect time to do that New York move, right? Because we see it from time to time. We, one of the most famous fights lately was that Wilder Ortiz, the first one, where people thought, oh, they gave Wilder extra time. But if you've seen fights in New York, you could say he got extra time, but that's not anything different than what they've done in the past. So to me, it was like, 
I really wish a, a question and a follow-up question had been like, why didn't you have him walk more then, dude, if he's so out of it? Because his legs did not seem out of it. Now, was he hurt? Sure, I'm sure he was. He got caught with a clean punch. But hurt, hurt, horribly hurt, not being able to balance? No, not at all. And it really, it, it just it just hurts the whole outcome. Because it was a, it was a really interesting fight like really interesting fight and it just it just sucks because there's no winner there of course you know russell's the winner i'm not taking the win away from him but you know what i mean it's like damn dude you you actually hurt both guys on that one and it just it just sucks when this happened because you're like here here's jake donovan he on twitter shouts out to jake uh, as always Rancis deserved, this was him on Twitter, I thought it was perfectly summed up. Rancis deserved the chance to continue. Russell deserved the chance to properly close the show. Terrible stoppage. I mean, that, that, that's right there. That sums it up. That literally sums it up. Like, there's really no way to not look at it that way. It really is, because there was so much time left in that round, I wouldn't be surprised if a very aggressive, close the gap, look in the land, hard-ass, rough, rugged punches, that's what Russell is. I wouldn't be surprised if he stopped him in this round. Not at all. But you just don't know. And when you got a two-way fight, you got a contender who's, you know, trying to learn the ropes, I guess you could say. And, and, and Bartholomew clearly was not ready to become this gatekeeper just yet. Clearly in that ring, he wasn't. He showed us more of him coming up, more of uh, – just more, not aggressive, but just more output, you know? And it was like, all right, dude, this is a fight, man. This is a good-ass fight. And it just sucks that we got, like, it's not the fighter's fight. It's not the promotional. It's not Showtime. You know, it's this referee. And for him not to answer, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just sucks that they didn't ask him a question. And that's not going to change the outcome, but it's just it's holding someone responsible right there. Jim Gray can sometimes ask silly questions. You know, he's done a great job in his career overall, or at least he's been at it for so long. You got to respect whatever you think about his questions. You got to at least respect how long he's been doing this. But man, for a guy who loves to follow up or ask the, you know, ask the, do you think you should be in the hall of fame question? Uh, for PEDs in baseball or what, you know, we could track his career. He's asked some questions where you're like, I see you're doing your job, but there is a time and a place. Well, the time and the place was in that gosh dang ring. And it, and it just sucked because, like I said, it sucks for Bartholomew because you could tell he was motivated to try to win this fight. And this is exactly the fight that I liked about this matchup where he was causing Russell some problems. And you can start to see Russell overcoming some of that. And so it, it, it just sucked, man. It, it really sucked. It's just a horrible stoppage. There's no two ways around it. And it would have been nice to hear the refs say, you didn't get a chance to look in this guy's eyes. But what we did after, we did get to kind of look into his eyes after because the camera was on him the whole time after. So it, it was just a garbage stoppage. One of the worst ones I've seen in quite some time. And we, you know, I, I, I like to give, a, you know, these refs benefit of the doubt at times, more than others, I'd probably say. But 
you hear me just trying to really give them the benefit of the doubt, and I, I just, it's just not there. It's just not there. I mean, it just sucks, man. It, it really sucks. But anyway, I want to see a rematch. Now, my guess is they'll do, you know, the undercard fight um, for the 140 vacant on the Broner-Figueroa card. I'm guessing that's who Russell's going to fight next. And maybe getting the belt. I saw a couple people on Twitter and actually shots out the um, uh, Sunday Puncher. They said it. That, I remember he- hearing this too that hey, maybe you do the Bartellamy fight after if Russell was able to get that belt, and then it's good for Bartellamy too because hey, now you got a belt on the line, you know. Um, but I wouldn't mind them going right into a rematch either. Uh, and it's not like they'd have to wait six or eight months. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know, maybe Bartellamy would have been suspended if he would have gotten knocked. And you're going to have your little suspensions or whatever, maybe. But I would love the rematch. I would let, let's strike now. Let's see. And it's great for Russell to improve on some of the stuff. We already saw him turning. I mean, that lead right hand was beautiful. Like we already started to see him in the wheels turning and him making adjustments uh, to a game Bartellamy. He was a that was the fight I wanted to see because of the, what it could help a young fighter trying to become a champion on the contender level right now. You know, that, that just sucked, dude. And the ref, like, took it away. Not just us. I'm not just trying to look at it selfishly. But it's like, what the fuck, dude? What what are you doing? Like, what? what and I remember, what other fight did he do recently where it was a quick stoppage? Actually, was it the post-office fight? I don't know. That was that shouldn't have been a stoppage either, actually. But anyway, um, we will get into that uh, Billiam Smith-Chamberlain fight a little bit. Of course, we're going to preview the weekend, uh, the fight news that I uh, you know talked about earlier in the show. We'll definitely get into some of that. But right about now, we are going to bring on John to get his take on this last weekend preview some of the fights coming up this weekend and whatever else that we'll talk about what's going on john how the hell are you doing sir how was vacation i i recently Uh, got back from vacation as well so um it was good to just you know recharge the batteries you know exactly it was great vacation good to recharge was down at the jersey shore for the week last week and uh had a great time as always but it seemed to be even a particular good time this time so uh a lot, lot of good weather, a lot of good fun. So, uh, like you said, to, feeling back and recharged, and still, uh, still, still got to catch the boxing. So, uh, you know, plenty to, plenty to talk about there as usual. Uh, we're just listening to your breakdown of the Showtime card, and yeah, you know, I might as well just pick up where you left off with the Gary Russell, excuse me, not Gary, Gary Antoine Russell. Uh, fight 140. I mean, I, I it's like easy a lot. to do. It's easy yeah. to do. <laughs> I still right. find we, myself doing. We've, we've got a few Russell brothers to keep track of there, and and they're they're all good fighters. So, uh, um, I, I've got them straight, but I, I had to catch myself there for a second. So, uh, Gary Antoine Russell 140. I've liked him a lot. Um, you know, good big right hook he landed at the finish. I I agree with. With you, I take it the same way. I don't like to go too far into criticizing referees on some stoppages, but some you feel like you have to. I mean, it's part of the sport. I looked at this one like you did. 
you know, all appearances, it was a, it was a terrible stoppage. I think all you could say from the referee point of view was, I saw what you did that, you know, he just like looked, looked into Bartholomew's eyes and thought he saw something he didn't like, but you know, if, with these kind of analysis, I, I kind of break it down to, you know, you know if we're going to have a sport, you still have to be able to criticize some, some things like that. And, and this, this really just had all appearances of a bad stoppage. And the surprise was, you know, as you already pointed out, and I agree with, you know, always knew Bartellamy had talent, well, didn't show it at all times. You know, he's been in some dreadfully boring fights. And as you pointed out, correctly i think you know where he didn't bring the offense but he comes out in this one and he's got skills and he's 37 years old but you know he, he comes out determined in this one and and i thought he hurt russell twice he, you know it was shocking and i'm not even taking any downgrade for gary antoine russell in this fight i still like him just as much but it was a determined Bartellamy who was making use of all his skills and, and abilities and and he just legitimately seemed to rock Gary Antoine Russell twice in that fight before that quick stoppage. And um, I'm not saying he was going on to win or anything. I don't think he was, but it was, it was a close fight. As you pointed out, I saw it that way too. It was a close fight. Gary Antoine Russell would eventually turn it. He did, but I thought the stoppage was quick, but, but the thing you got to say in his favor is, which was good to see on the replay while the stoppage was quick you know, that, that was a legit big shot. So, you know, it wasn't a case where sometimes we're criticizing the stoppage where guys moving his hands and maybe you're looking on a replay and he's not landing much. And maybe even the first shot that got it going wasn't that big. I mean, it was a big shot that knocked Bartellamy down. Um, what, what just gets me about those kind of, and you know, if you're a boxing detractor, you could say, well, that's what makes this, the sport more dangerous. And I think Unfortunately, that part is true, but I look at that when that when I see a stoppage like that, those are the ones I really don't like because I'm like, well, then that's that's a UFC fight, and you know what I mean by that is, you know, in the UFC since there's no, you know, count for a knockdown, and you know there's no standing eight count or anything like that, um, a guy gets dropped, you know, with a big shot, and then somebody jumps on him, and, and the ref jumps in and stops it a lot of times. You know, there's there's no chance to recover you know, have an ebb and flow like that. And that's part of MMA, you know, part, part of modern MMA, but with boxing, we expect the opposite. In other words, a guy gets knocked down and if he beats a 10 count, um, you know, normally, and, and of course, traditionally in the sport, you get a chance to continue. That's why you have a 10 count. And I don't, I don't like when we get too far away from that. And that was kind of an example here because, you know, and I, I say it in like one like that, and I'll say it in other controversial stoppages throughout history that were similar. Um, you know, what, what's your purpose of beating the 10 count then? I mean, the guy, you know, you get dropped, you, you beat the 10 count, and the referee's waving it off before anything else happens anyway. I mean, you know, I mean, we know if a guy's in really, really bad shape, but, uh, you know, if you beat the 10 count, you kind of kind of should get a shot. I mean, those are some of the worst stoppages to me. I mean, that, uh, you know, that the Jack, you know, like Jack, he was down twice, but that Jack Reese with that Perella stoppage with Ramos and, and I'll, I'll go down. Of course, this still gets debated just as much 32 years later, but you know, I'll, 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 I'll never change my opinion that Richard Steele's stoppage of Meldrick Taylor was garbage because, 
you know, same thing. I mean, Taylor beat beat the count. You know, it was the it was the last round. Chavez couldn't have come over and landed another shot on him. So we could go on to bad ones all day, but but this this was a bad one. But no no detraction from me for Gary Russell, Gary Antoine Russell, because Bartholomew came to fight. Um, he really came to fight. He is a skilled guy. Decent size for the division, even though he started lower. Still, still a, a decent sized guy. And even though he's 37, you know he, he's got the amateur pedigree and skill. Came to fight, uh, and Gary Antoine Russell ended up dropping him with a legit power shot, and he still got a 100% KO percentage, which obviously is impressive. Um, one thing I'm looking a little different, though, like this is just me for the future with him, Chris. Is yeah, you know, we know how and. and and the way modern boxing is structured, you know, you don't want to see it. But the one thing that is good about when we're getting to a point where you have certain promotions and broadcasters focusing on certain divisions is, well, then at least your hope is that the guys that that promoter and, and broadcaster has are going to fight each other in some good fights in that division. So, you know, for me, that's not really PBC at 140. I mean, they, there's stuff that they could – probably pull off and make but that's not that's not really their area you know they, they've got all kinds of fighters that welterweight you know in again in this era even though there's a couple of you know Virgil Ortiz who we'll be talking about soon being one of them that they don't have they, they've mostly got everybody at welterweight 147 and you know they've got Tank down there fighting at lightweight you know he has had a fight at, at 140 um, that's what I mean where you could maybe think about making something, but just saying that 140 is not really their area, and and we can talk about this more later on. Obviously, and, and you know all these promoters have their thing with the alphabets, and it's it's really getting as as annoying as ever. But what I'm saying is, we we know that it's pretty obvious now that you know PBC has you know, pretty good ties with the WBC, the way this stuff is working. So I don't, I don't know, you know, what they would think maybe they could work out with the WBC there because you've, you've already got pro gray and Zapata fighting that it's been ordered, but we know those orders don't mean a lot in boxing uh, with these alphabets. People talk like they do, but you know, for, for every quote unquote ordered fight that comes off that they do, there's, there's 20 that they've ordered that go off into the wind. So we'll we'll just have to monitor that and see. Apparently, reports are Ramirez isn't going to be involved in that right now. But but again, we'll we'll have to see because I say that because to me, Gary Antoine Russell is ready for all these guys. I, I actually that's where I disagree in the sense that I don't think he needs a rematch now. Maybe because he can't get anybody else, you might have it. But I mean, right? That's kind of what I me, was thinking. Like at yeah, some me, point, you know, right. I mean, and you're right. It might have to because they got to make something if he's, you know, obviously he's going to be staying with PBC and, and they, the guy's very talented. They got to get him fights. But from, to me, yeah, people say, well, he, you know, he hasn't fought uh, maybe that level or whatever. But, but you know, nowadays when all, all the top guys, they're, they're not really fighting real top contenders a lot and things. What I'm just getting to is, I think Gary Antoine Russell's already ready for anybody at 140. I think he's got a shot to beat anybody there. Now with the politics, I don't know, you know, if any of those fights are happening. You know, Tiafimo Lopez is going to fight at that weight in his next fight. Uh, he's obviously with top rank. So 
you know, I always look, and I don't think I'm off base because I think in the long haul, it is always going to pretty much come out that way. That's why when I'm, when I look at PBC guys who are really good and it could even be somebody as small as Tank Davis, which I've said before, but then certainly Gary Antoine Russell, even though they say he could probably make lightweight PBC has got everybody at welterweight. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of big fights and, you know, even though you hate to see it, um, I mean, and it doesn't mean he's going to be beating anybody, but we know this is boxing. I mean, can anybody say Pacquiao is not going to be back either? I mean, when you just look at all, all these options PBC has, and, you know, Crawford's a free agent now, and you, you hear about the Spence negotiations, just saying that it, to me, any PBC fighter, you know, who's like, from from 135 pounds up, I'm always always going to look at as possibly getting in on that welterweight sweepstakes at some point because if Spence and Crawford ever does come off, you know the winner of that's going to be huge. And if it's a great fight, you know it could bolster both guys. And you know then people are following the money. Like I said, even though we don't want to see it, you, you could you could never in boxing even count out somebody like. Pacquiao being back, and he he brings some money, and you've got guys like, you know, Boots Ennis coming up, and you know there there's just there's just so you know Keith Thurman's back, Keith Thurman draws good ratings. Um, there's just so many there's just so many options PBC has there that I, I always look at anybody talented as possibly uh, ending up in that. But I think that that's that sums up Russell and Bartholomew. I just heard you talking about you know Konatsky and them reason uh that fight i agree with you when konatsky konatsky came in in real good shape you knew he was then going to have a shot i mean when it was first signed i thought now nah, it's going to be all them reason then when i saw them reason six pounds heavier than his last fight and konatsky was down in weight uh, i thought konatsky's got a shot here and that's the way it played out i guess where i'm a bit in the minority is i thought that 96 94 for Demarizan was the best score. I would have taken a draw or even a 96-94 Konatsky myself in that fight. I thought there was enough close rounds that I thought it could have swung that way. I didn't see a lot of other people yeah, I saying a six that. Four. I, I got a 6-4, not for Kuznowski, but, yeah, it was very competitive, no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with a draw. Um you know, I, I did see pointed out on Twitter afterward that it wasn't talked about much, and I did see him shake it at the time. He kept throwing it though, but you know, maybe Kanatsky hurt his right hand earlier in the fight. Um, he has had some hand and bicep problems. Of course, a lot of boxers do, but I still think, like you said, it, it pretty much played out like expected. I mean, that Demarazin is not a, a big puncher. He, he he's got a lot of volume, and I'm with you. I mean. I started seeing with this this guy really in the Ajagba fight, even though it was a losing effort. Um, this guy brings something to the table. He, he's got amateur pedigree. He comes to fight. He throws a lot of punches. It doesn't mean he's going to beat the very best, but his fights are entertaining, and he comes to fight. And, you know, as we know as fans, I mean, and, you know, so does Konaski. I mean, and, and we had a very entertaining fight. I mean, there, there's value, you know, it's not always that good for the health of these guys, but there's a value to these guys that come to fight. I mean, I think like you were talking about, I mean, I don't know if it's they can't quite put it together or maybe the numbers don't work, but I'm not saying they're the best level guys, but 
when I look at kind of these, these heavyweights PBC has, and I think some of the highlights of that Ortiz Martin pay-per-view card, which was lower priced, I ended up finding value with it. I would like, I, I keep saying it, but I'm going to say it again, because this would be one of those types of fights that we just saw on a Showtime card, which that's good, but, um, and like you said, you know, may not be in the future if Kanatsky continues. He may not be the main event guy. He doesn't have to be. But, like, I'd like to see PBC keep mixing and matching these guys, even if a lot of people consider them lower level. If there are guys that come to fight and it's heavyweights and we're getting good fights, I'd, I'd like to see, like, three shows a year like that. I, I think we kind of need it, too. And, and you know, let's face it, because it's PBC, we know American-based heavyweights aren't what they used to be. I'll freely say that. I'll freely say I've said for a while. I mean, this is the best British heavyweight era of all time in terms of depth by far, I think. I mean, that, that's legit. So, you know, the pendulum can swing. But still, for for the guys that are American-based, PBC can keep putting these guys together and have some good matchups. Now, they're having Ruiz and Ortiz in that pay-per-view on Labor Day, but they're tying that in. And I don't blame them marketing-wise. I think marketing-wise, this part of it's a good move. You know, they're basically trying to do their own Mexican Independence Weekend-type card the weekend before, you know, week, weekend or two before Canelo and Triple G, um, three. And I think that's good marketing with Valenzuela on there that – Isaac Cruz, who were, you know, future Mexican, Mexican-American, possibly stars, I mean, at least in terms of popularity. Um, but, but, you know, pay-per-view, you don't know how many people are going to see it. But I, I'd, I'd like to see the heavyweight scene, you know, back and being used more. So this Ruiz-Ortiz, you know, it's not a, it's not a heavyweight scene. And, uh, you know, then Kanatsky and Demarese and Rice over here. It's not that you always have to have all heavyweight cards, but I think there's something there. I'd like to see more of that. I mean, like, here would just be an example. I mean, again, would probably be entertaining while it lasts. Um, you know, you could have now maybe have Prince Charles Mar- Martin could fight Demarese, you know, uh, something like that. And, uh, you know, Kanatsky could take on somebody else. And, you know, they haven't brought Faust back since that fight of the year type fight he had with Kalidzi. Um I think even though Faust got hurt, dropped in that fight, I kind of like what he brings. I, I think people sleep on him a little bit. Um, guys only have like eight, nine fights. And I think he's, uh, you know, so you, you've got him there. I mean, uh, uh, I, I just think there's some things they could do. I'd like, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to see it. And then I guess, you know, Garcia and Benavidez, I don't know if you got to talk about it yet. Um, heard you talk about the other two, but uh, you know, Danny Garcia, he brought pretty much what he brings. You know, he, he's got a lot of skill counterpunching wise. He's got a great chin. Um, sometimes, you know, really, really throughout his career, you know, really when he falls just a little bit short and a lot, let's face it, it's been a little bit short. He hasn't fallen short by much in his big fights. It's when he doesn't throw enough, but you know, Jose Benavides just didn't have quite enough for him. One thing that did surprise me in the fight was that, uh, even though Jose Benavides is by far not the best guy Garcia has fought, he really has fought the elite. Uh, I thought Benavides cracked him with two of the hardest shots I've ever seen him get hit with, and he, he took them. But uh, they, they were a couple of big shots got in there. Now Garcia, I thought that one fourteen one fourteen card was atrocious. You know Garcia clearly won the fight, 
but uh, I did think uh, Benavides landed a couple of couple of decent shots there. But I'm I'm kind of with some people, you know. PBC's got so much at welterweight, and even Garcia's fought these guys. I, I'd almost still like to see him there. I mean, they have the 154-pound guy, guys available too, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of would almost would like to see him still just stay in that welterweight mix. Um, but, you know, I'll say one thing for Danny Garcia. Of course, with Ben, it's just theoretical, but it might not be with Tazu is, uh, you know, Garcia's 34, so you got to take that into account. But you, you talk about guys who were stylistically made to order for him. I would throw out the names Connor, Ben, and Tim Zhu. So uh, that's something that does stick in the back of my mind. Uh, because, you know, Ben's been at 147, but he's just talking about going up for this Eubank fight. Again, it's not going to happen with Hearn, as we know. But in, in theory, those, those are actually, to me, good style matchups for Danny Garcia if he's going to continue. Yeah, it, it, that Tony Harrison, I, I, like I understand why he'd want to, just like Keith Thurman, uh, fight Arislani Lara if, in fact, he does have the full WBA off the Golovkin thing, you know. He has 15 days to decide uh, after the Canelo fights. Likely he, he may not even drop down to 160 again, but he probably won't go down there and fight Lara. So I understand why those two would want to do it, but, man, Ryan Garcia and Tony Harrison, as far as, like you said, not at welterweight, but at 54, I like that fight a lot. And, and, you know, Harrison's chin has failed him at times. But as we know, Danny Garcia, plenty of pop at 47 and now 54. But the power is not what it was at 140. And I think stylistically that's a – I think Tony Harrison would fight very confidently – and maybe more in the pocket, as would Arislani Lara we've seen lately. Um, I, I like that fight a lot. I think Tony Harrison and, and uh, Mike, not Mikey Garcia, but um, uh, Danny Garcia, I, that would be a good fight. But like I said, I also realized that, you know, if, if he has a chance to, no matter what we would think of a catchweight 155 middleweight, uh, it'll go down in history, and fighters think of that as well. So I totally understand some of that. Um, any other items uh, that you want to talk about? Did you get a chance to see that William Smith-Chamberlain fight at all? Um, any other did, items from the weekend that you want to talk about? I didn't I didn't get to see uh, Bill Smith-Chamberlain uh, um, because uh, just, just on I, – I was interested in the fight, um, but – just uh, telecasting just wasn't wasn't available to me, um, which we're used to getting everything nowadays. And, and now I think we can discuss some stuff about that. You, you know, some, sometimes here and there, if these don't come on, that, that's where the modern the modern has been better. You get a little bit spoiled, so to speak, with the ease of those. But I guess it was available on Fight TV, which you got to mm-hmm. pay for. Um, so didn't see it. Um, you know, been people. I've 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 had a you know in, in transnational. You fight, you know, his fight before that, I thought I was in favor of him slipping into the top ten. Um, he's really just fought, you know, British opposition, but but in that rematch had a good KO. But uh, you know, Chamberlain had been fighting eight, a lot of eight round fights and things like that, and he has entered a transnational. But I wasn't actually in favor of it this at this time with who else had had still been in there and entered. Just saying, you know, he's kind of a borderline top ten guy at this point. 
we'd like I think really what we'd like to see from Dylan Smith at this point. He has had moments where he showed me some things I like. You know, we time for him to you know get away from the British opposition, and you know let, let's see let's see what he has uh, against some of the other people around the world. And, and you know who knows maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll rise to the occasion. He has shown me some good things, but I think for him we can say let let's see that at this let's see that at this uh, point. But one thing since we're talking about this weekend and the news you know was breaking this weekend is um, got to be fair. Call out, call out everybody when you see it. I mean, uh, this this Jake Paul Rockman thing with you know the WBC trying to throw a rating into it right before the fight got pulled. I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I, I will say this: you know, uh, as we, as we talk, I go back and forth between West Virginia and you know New Jersey, and, and in New Jersey, I'm in the New York metro area part of Jersey. Um, when I did roll in to the area, I did hear people I knew up here saying, I heard, you know, and it was supposed to be at the garden. I hear that that Jake Paul fight is not selling at all. Um, this was before the news came out. You know, that's just me talking, being up here. I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm going around as a reporter or anything like that. But, but then when I saw the WBC, you know, trying to throw a rating on it, and, you know, you got Mauricio tagging Steven Espinosa in it. I, I mean, it just, it was a horrible look to me. And, and I, you know, I've said on here, and you haven't either. I haven't even been against the Jake Paul thing. I mean, I think it, you know, helps boxing. I think it was actually a good signing by Showtime. But I just got a, I got a feeling that they kind of, you know, they're in that hybrid world where he's an entertainer and, you know, they want to kind of push it towards a little bit of marketing towards boxing fans and quote unquote fighting a real boxer so the gimmick i think it was you know showtime and jake paul you know were coming up with for this time around that was supposed to be on what august 6th was well you know tyson fury it's you know tommy fury is the heavyweight champ the real heavyweight champion's brother and then you know he fell out i would agree it was probably because of the kinahan stuff and and you know understand that but uh you know then, then okay you know hasim rockman jr is obviously Another legitimate heavyweight champ, you know, Hasim Rockman Sr., you know, who was the real heavyweight champ of the world. He's his son. You know, they, they were kind of trying to have him be boxing, but, but find it gimmicky. And I, I just think it ended up like being like forcing opponents and the public didn't seem to be buying, you know, whoever you want to talk about, boxing fans, casual YouTuber fans, both, you know, social media fans. I mean, I, I don't care. Like I said, I mean, I think it helps boxing, but it just, to me, it, I'm guessing on this one, again, you know, I don't like to go conspiracy theory, but I, I'm guessing this one was falling apart because let's face it, Chris, you and I have been following this stuff a long time and the card went poof. You know what I mean? Like there was no, you know, somebody else is going to be out there and we're going forward or uh, anything like that or you know, we're going to work one more time for a Jake Paul because, you know, what people were saying, and this is the truth. I mean, I mean, you, you can come up with some four and 20 cruiserweight, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, have him fight Jake Paul now. I mean, and say it's a real boxer that they obviously didn't, didn't want to take that route. 
and you know Jake Paul is supposed to be be the main selling it, and the whole card but went by the wayside. I mean, you had Amanda Serrano on there, what Brandon Lee was supposed to be on there. Um, so something did. I don't think something was working there. Uh, I, and, and you know, the, the Rockman as opponent thing was a reach with the weight stuff. I mean, I I tweeted that out right when it was first announced, so I put that pin that back up there. Not because I'm always right, but just the point of you could you could at least conceivably see that coming, you know, and just something to regroup a little bit with the Jake Paul thing. And they're going to have to, I mean, I, I don't think this like, and it, it doesn't mean they, he might not be able to beat some boxers. I'm not even looking at it that way, but I, it's more to be of a marketing thing. Like, you know, slapping a WBC rating on them and stuff. I mean, what, what as I tweeted out, I mean, what, I, I think this probably is almost part true. I mean, you know, when that got them three more pay-per-view buys, they decided they decided that was the end. That was the end of it. You know, we're not sold. We're not sold ten more tickets of the alpha from Alphabet Organization boxing fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they knew the, they knew the ship was sinking, and the next thing you know, it was a weight problem, and the fight was off. Um, so, I, I I smelled desperation on that one, and uh, I think they're going to have to decide. Like you know, are you, you know, are you, because look, even if people were knocking at some, I mean, I think that was kind of selling. Like, you know, when he was fighting Askren and then he's fighting Woodley, I mean, people get bad, but, you know, the knocking out MMA guys was selling. I mean, there might have been boxing fans yelling and stuff, but I think it was selling. I mean, the Woodley thing, they had to have a, you know, he had to sub back in for the rematch when they had another opponent fallout. But I'm just saying, like, I, I don't think Jake Paul knocking out MMA guys wasn't selling. Um, and you know they might, right. they might, and it's harder to, like, to sell at Madison Square Garden too, rather than his hometown or you know but, other places you can go. That, that plays is you know that plays a role too. That's a good point, Chris. I mean, you know, like it's not necessarily a bad idea bringing him into the garden, but I think you you got a darn good point. Like the miscalculation probably was this right? We're, we're going to bring him into the garden, but like the Tommy Fury. Hasim Rockman Jr. thing is is not the the New York splash that we were they were hoping for with Jake Paul fighting there. I think it does have a lot to do with things like that. So you're going to have to. I think I, I don't think he's necessarily. And, and even you know, Chris, you probably notice this too. You follow the stuff like I do, and let's face it, we all see the Jake Paul stuff anyway. It, it seems even though hey, look, I can't I can't knock the young guy in terms of being it <laughs> marketing himself with these billions and things. I'm not, but even for him, who has been a master self-promoter up to this point, weren't you sensing, like, desperation from him the last two, three weeks? Like, you know, he was making, like, weird political comments. And not that Jake Paul doesn't say weird things anyway, but you know what I mean? Like, it it almost seemed like he was reaching to try to strike a nerve, and it wasn't – Yeah, beyond trolling, where it was like, (laughs) ah, it's not effective (laughs) trolling. It does yeah, kind right. of seem like a... he is making shit up randomly. Exactly. Great, great way to put it. It seemed like ineffective trolling. It wasn't effective trolling. Like it, it wasn't like a troll that was getting you like, I got to see this. You know, I, I got to just buy this thing or I, I got to show up at the garden. It, it just, and it seemed like even he was, say he might see this. Well, he, right. It's his promotional companies involved now. Right. So, you know, he's seeing figures, I guess. And, 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 you know, maybe he, he was getting anxious and, and just seeing that 
it wasn't going that well. So I think they, I don't think it's necessarily over, but they're going to have to, and you know, Showtime's got investment in it now too. So I think they got to regroup. I think they got to regroup and, and it's got to be not just, it doesn't have to be like a boxer, like a lot of people say, and a boxer might be good, but it's got to be something even more than the name with Tommy Fury or Hasim Rockman Jr. It's got to be something that's got some entertainment value sell. You know, because he, they're trying to headline him on a pay-per-view. See, that's the thing. I mean, we're not talking that he's, like, on a Showtime undercard doing this. You know, he's headlining right. a pay-per-view. So that's what's not fitting. I mean, if he's going to headline a pay-per-view, you, you got to figure out. It, it, and Mauricio, Mauricio Suleiman jumping in with a rating is not going to do it. I mean, that's not right. going to get you. Gonna get he's you the 48th ranked guy. Oh, okay, he's 48 now? Sweet, I'm tuning in. Right, exactly. But you think about it. Think how stupid it is. Oh, Mauricio Suleiman says he's going to be ranked 48th if he wins this fight at cruiserweight. Okay, I'm, I'm right. breaking out the wall. I'm, I'm breaking out the wall. Yeah, now so it's I'll legit. Uh, that was right. That was legit. That's literally what they tried to pull. That's what I found embarrassing. I really did. I mean, you know, that because they they were all in on. It. That's what they tried to pull at the last second. It, it got desperate. So I, I thought that was a fiasco. I thought that did have to be pointed out. I mean, you know, I like a lot of things that Espinosa and Showtime have done, but I, I and I'm not against the Jake Paul thing. I'm not even against them sticking with them. But I, I got to pull a do better on all that. I mean, you know. You want to keep your integrity. You know, we know it's boxing. We know the broadcasters throw it out there. They were throwing it out there Saturday night. They talk about alphabet belts and all this stuff. But still, you can't throw your integrity completely. You can, but I don't think it's a good idea to throw your integrity completely into the (laughs) dumpster by, you know, having Mauricio Suleiman talk about ratings and and showtime in the same tweet. Uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's the way to go. Um, TV networks and broadcasters because they bring the money. And, you know, all sports nowadays are about broadcasting. We talk about that. I mean, even the biggest, the NFL, you know, the, the MLB, the NBA, I mean, it comes from, you know, broadcasting, TV money first. That's what drives it all. So what I'm saying is, ultimately, believe it or not, I mean, Showtime, you know, CBS, Viacom, they're bigger than the alphabets. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, Disney, ESPN. I mean, ultimately, they're they're bigger than the alphabet. So, you know, there has to be some point where they got to step back and say, hey, you know, we got to keep some credibility here. Let, let's let's not take it this far. Um, I, so, I think that was a a bad episode from Showtime, and and I'm not uh, and I'm not against the Jake Paul thing, but I, but I thought that was a bad bad uh, bad episode from them. Um, and you know. PBC not you know not I mean they're they're this is kind of pre two pre 2015 playbook you know pay per view and premium cable they're not you know they're not running anything on network I mean they're not running anything on basic cable um, that concerns me because I like what they did I was all for it and uh, yeah. just got to point it out because you know I was the biggest booster of them and it was because of that and you know I thought Heyman got a bad rap on that he was doing a good thing even dana white of all people said it you know he said hey al Heyman's trying to do what needs to be done i i agreed i thought he 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 was doing that and hey he got a lot of resistance and stuff we we saw that it's all true but i, I kind of don't like where we're at now with with the 
the premium cable and pay-per-view only because that was the playbook that had a lot of money made, but in the long run was, yeah. was kind of victimizing boxing with lack of exposure. So yeah, uh, individuals, I, I, some individuals got paid off of that. Right. Right. And, you know, and in the end, credit with his marketing in the end, because even at the very end of that era, Pacquiao's pay-per-view clout was fading. Like, you know, it didn't yeah. fade obviously against Floyd Mayweather, you know, big, biggest pay-per-view fight of all time. But that was kind of like the peak. And, you know, you saw Pacquiao after that, you know, his pay-per-views were kind of dropping. And, you know, I mean, look how, in hindsight, look how good Floyd did with, with somebody like Birdo. You know, he did like, what, 700000 after that? I mean, look at, look at what that was compared to what people have been doing since uh, for the most part. So, you know, he didn't necessarily – and, you know, then he had the, the McGregor. So he, he didn't fade, but like you said, yeah, one person, it's a credit to him. He, he pulled that off. And Pacquiao, you know, was up there with him, but then his fade his faded. And, yeah, nobody else was – you know, that's why PBC did what they did. And then, you know, Bob Arum, I, I think they kind of got kicked off HBO. But then Arum did say, like, hey, you know, we, 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 we have nobody that's a pay-per-view draw now, basically. You know, we got right. to start building something up. Um, so – yeah, I, I'd like to see. I'd, I'd like to still see some building of some building of some guys because I think the Garcia rating for this era, you know, four hundred yeah, seventy-five, yeah. whatever on premium cable. I mean, Chris, like you understand, and we talk about, but a lot of people don't. That's because Danny Garcia was fighting, you know, on CBS, was fighting on ESPN, right? You know, had all those kinds of appearances. That that matters. I mean, that's why Canelo Caleb Plant does numbers. I mean. Say, yeah, we saw it time and time right. again. We saw for the people, Wilder too, the people that got on right. Fox, it helped them. Or NBC or, you know, the, the bunch of them at the start, but even just Fox, it definitely did something. There's just no dispute. The evidence is right there. And it's kind of interesting. I mentioned this, and I've mentioned this a little bit during uh, news when you're already gone, but it's going to be really interesting. And it kind of reminds me of 2018 before that, like middle to late 2018 before the Fox deal got announced because everything was on Showtime, right? In 2016, 17, not everything, but the, the important stuff, I should say. 2017, 2018, especially 2018, because you could say 2017, they still had some big fights on CBS and whatnot. But that 2018, uh, it was like, all right, most of the good stuff's on Showtime again. And then all of a sudden they announced the Fox deal. Well, if you look at, you know, if you look at Showtime, even PBC and Showtime, they haven't announced the new deal yet. And we're right on the cusp of that ending. And we know the Fox deal this year, the option that they, they chose to pick up clearly is just for pay-per-view. And maybe that's just contractual stuff. Here's your four pay-per-views. We're moving on. But it's real interesting. Late August, uh, you're in August 2022, four years later, what is it going to be? Is Showtime about to, in the next few weeks, announce a schedule and then a new deal with PBC? Would that involve CBS Sports or Paramount? It, you know, it's unlikely, it seems on paper, that Fox would continue a deal. But when you look at it, uh, they had 12 FS1 dates a year, technically 10 Fox dates, and really eight prime times, and the other two would be used for pay-per-views, along with pre, uh, prelims. So 
on FS1 generally. So you're looking at 22 cards, and we wonder why some of these PBC fighters are getting pushed back to, well, it's going to be August. No, it's going to be October. No, it'll be November. You know, I really anticipate something going on here in the coming weeks or months because something's got to give in that to, to not have 22 cards and have all these fighters under contract, something's got to get, you know what I mean? And, and it may be CBS Sports getting involved because they don't get good ratings at all, and that would boost them a little bit, or maybe, like we said, Paramount Plus, whatever. Uh, maybe it's something else. It's hard to, like, it's really hard to, like, I always kind of let, well, let's see what Hamey comes up with type thing because so many times, including 2018, they dug you know, dirt was already getting thrown away before that. But by 2018, John, it was a done deal. They're only on Showtime. They're screwed. And all of a sudden, they announced a deal. So something's got to give, even if it is extending with Showtime or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's a real good point, Chris, because you're right. I forgot that really when they did cut that deal, it was like the half Showtime, half Fox. And I, I wasn't thinking of it. I got to admit, even though I think about this stuff a lot, yeah, the Showtime deal should be about coming up. So, um, I, I'd like to see. So while we're talking about it, yeah, like if if it's renewed, you know, if there if there's some component of it on you know CBS or CBS Sports Network, or if somehow as a surprise, you know, maybe they cut a deal. I mean, I, I'd rather see you know some of these PBC guys at least get an FS1 exposure. Um, you know, there, there's got to be something where they're getting out there. I mean, top rank kind of copied to what PBC had been doing when they started this network campaign, basic cable campaign. Um, but now at this point in 2022, it's like top ranks kind of carry and ESPN are kind of carrying the spirit of that more. Like I wish it was on regular ESPN instead of EP, ESPN plus, but you pointed out and I agreed going in, like look, look at what a good fight dog Bay and Joette Gonzalez ended up being. It was on ESPN Plus, which has picked up a lot of subscribers, not regular ESPN, but that's kind of the type of thing we're talking about. Like, you know, getting, getting, even if they're not your very top guys, I mean, a good competitive fight, getting the guys some exposure, that pays in the long run. But the guys that people have seen, I mean, those are the guys that end up doing well. I mean, look, a lot of people knocked Deontay Wilder. They said he would never become a superstar. And maybe you could argue with, boxing being niche he's not a national superstar but he's a superstar of boxing it can't be argued people get mad they don't want to admit it you know he's been on the forbes list you see the ratings and the pay-per-views he's been involved yeah, and in the gate everybody else you know and the, gate. the gates that I mean, just continually went up and then exploded on that one big rematch fight right and i'll say this like I mean, and, and it's obviously the, the restriction because of the Kinahan thing, but still, like, this to me is what, you know, and, and I w- I've said it, you know, Deontay Wilder, I mean, he's coming off fight of the year. You know, he's given all he has to give. Um, he's made a lot of money, whether people like it or not. I wouldn't blame the guy for retiring. You know, I'm, I'm just saying for his health. I don't mean as opposed to he's in more danger than any other boxer, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I wouldn't blame him, but if 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 he's gonna go on, if he's choosing to go on, like what I'm saying is, I'm already feeling it as a fan. 
I want Fury. You know, I want to see Fury. I want to see Wilder. I mean, these are like the guys I'm feeling it myself. You know, like I don't like we're going into the fall and, you know, if Wilder's not fighting, if Fury's on the shelf. I don't like it. I mean, you know, these guys are are getting to be people we want to see. Uh, There already are people we want to see. And, you know, they had fight of the year with each other. And then since, you know, Fury blew away White, you know, proven he was on a totally different level than a guy like that, which I knew he was, and you know, but it was right in front of our eyes. So, you know, he's on a different level than that. I mean, you know, he's not, Dolan White's not anywhere near his level. So, and, you know, Deontay Wilder, you know, gave him hell in that last fight. So, I mean, these are guys you want to see. You want to see Spence Crawford. We all do. These are the fights that box, these, these are the people out there that boxing really needs. And, you know, like you said, you, you look at – I'm concerned. I don't even know what Showtime's going to go with in the fall because they don't like to take on, you know, American football that much anymore. And I'm not saying in this day and age that's even a bad marketing strategy, but since they don't – look, Charlo Zoo is already January. I don't think that that's a coincidence. Um, I don't know what they're going to go with. I, I don't think they're going to be going with what a lot of people think. Like, in other words, this, this stacked quality – fall schedule you seem to think the same and um i don't think we're going to get that i I don't think we're going to get that so uh um i think we're going to get some quality fights but but you do make a good point of uh the fall stuff it maybe it'll be bang for your buck stuff but overall it won't be you know eight fight announce or eight card announcement (laughs) or or something like that that's for sure i do agree with you there like i said i'm really stuck on this something's got to give and it's Within a month or two, I don't know how else it wouldn't be some sort of announcement, you know, because the the it was a four year deal with Showtime, and here we are. So that's a good point, you know. It's got, point. something's got to give. And remember, when Fox signed their deal, they did put out that schedule. I'm not saying it's going to be Fox, but you know, so that's what I'm anticipating. Something, whether it's Showtime, whether whatever, you know, Paramount, I don't know, and maybe that'll help john with the fall schedule that maybe something is on cbs sports network or on paramount so it isn't going head to head with a live television or whatever because you're right they do kind of go light in the fall that is that is true it's a very good point yeah it didn't used to do it but it's been that way for a long time now and and you know it's kind of understandable as football has you know just exploded so much in popularity over the decades but uh yeah what i'd like to see as a boxing fan and observer like something like you said like if the if showtime re-upped and there was a cbs or a cbs or a paramount plus component to it even that and then like what maybe is all of the dark horse is not as big but it could happen like you know keeps getting rumored but it's not happening like if that ring city which was really hitting its stride before it went off the air if that came back on like usa which you know nbc owns and they were running like a lot of the track and field world championships were just going on you know where they were running stuff you know on usa as, as part of their cycle of different yeah networks. right that's i mean that would be a good point. fit yeah. you know you could call it yeah that'd be I, great just for the nostalgia that'd be a great fit uh mm-hmm. and you know throw you know, fans would like that. You know, it'd be a good throwback, even if it was different types of fights. And and Ring City was hitting its stride, so um, that that would be a hope for me there. And then, you know, to me, ESPN and Top Rank are running stuff now. They'll probably go later in the fall too, but but they are running stuff. So they're to me, at least for now, on the right track. 
Um, you know, I'd like especially to with their lead-in advantage. You know, that lead-in, that college football lead-in advantage, college basketball lead-in advantage from September to say April, they can pop out some good ratings uh, just off a of lead-in. You know, well, right? They can use that. So I think they're at least at the moment they they kind of picked up where what PBC had started, but they're kind of on the right track because I'm looking to, I was writing down, you know, you got, they got Haney now who considering he'd been fighting on the zone most recently, his rating for Cambosos was to me kind of surprisingly high. Um, it's good for Haney, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's a real lightweight championship fight to me. It shows it matters. Like, you know, that's the real title and we know what it is right. and, and it's a showdown, and they're both undefeated, and, you know, fans tune in. So, because even coming from Australia, I mean, it was over a million, which is better than they were getting for a right. lot of other stuff. And Stevenson, he's getting the rate, you know, again, compared to everybody else. He's getting the rating. So, you know, young guy. That should be he, a college football lead-in, too, John, in September. But I don't see why that wouldn't be if it's on ESPN. You know, they'll have that right, 6 that, to 9, or for your time, it's 7 to 10. Um, and then that'll probably follow that. So instead of the, the doubleheader at night, the boxing will be in that slot. That's a good point. And then if they, and they got Teofimo Lopez coming up, if he can get back on track, we know he's got the talent and the ability and he's entertaining. Um, and then I look at it too, like, you know, you got Jared Anderson, who's, you know, an American heavyweight ready to build himself. Yeah, we can't up forget him. Stardom. Got him and they got Keyshawn Davis. Like I said, I, I felt like PBC – started all the revival, but it's, it's kind of, they're kind of falling back to a, a, a pre 2015 kind of model. You make an excellent point, maybe in a new deal, something will shake that up. Um, but top ranks now kind of, yeah, because the, the fights they've been putting on Showtime the last years have been great. A lot of them, but you know, how long can you just rely on that on Showtime? You know, that's it. You know, that's what we're talking about. Right, and another thing too is even though we like his boxing fans and we watch them and they're entertaining, you can see the ratings differences too. You know what? What a lot of hardcore fans yeah. either don't understand or don't want to understand is like even though they're, a lot of these are excellent fights, like you know, you know when they're showing guys like let's say below featherweight, you know that, that it's it's not it's not drawn in big it's just not it just doesn't draw in the big the bigger viewership. I mean, you can say it's not fair or whatever, but. But, see, that's the thing when we talk about them, you get into these real low weight classes, even a guy like Bam Rodriguez who's who's making a real stamp, you know. Right, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, just because of the weight. You know, he, he can't carry that, you know, Canelo card right. as like a co-feature. I mean, it's all about Canelo. Yeah, we saw that with Fulton, too. So, you know, Fulton's right. rating wasn't great. Good, quality 122 fights, no doubt. But, yeah, it is right. true. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I love Fulton. You know, I love Figueroa. It's just that when these guys are in the lower weights, and look, as a guy, it'd be better on FS1. You know, they for sure get a little bit better a push off that. But yeah, that's a good point. That's what I'd like to see for that kind of a thing. And because, like, look, there is examples too. Like as huge as Floyd Mayweather built himself to, and and it kind of does matter though. Like because you just look at throughout boxing history, and you always see it. Like you know, he he hit his peak when he became a welterweight. You know what I mean? Like like that's when it peaked. You know, it's like it peaked when he was up at a welterweight or, you know, fighting at, a, you know, 154. Um, that's when it peaked. You know, so, like, you know, he started out 130. So, it's like, I just don't, I, I, you know, you're going to have some real good matchups, some fighters people like and stuff. But, but there's, there's kind of a cap to how 
and you know you see at UFC whether you like it or not they you know their divisions for the men don't even go that low and they don't market those guys as much you know it's just it, it just doesn't especially in the US it just doesn't it doesn't sell, but I think it's even the case in Europe. It just doesn't, in the UK, it just doesn't sell as much. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a factor. You know, we, you know, get it, getting some of these these bigger weight fights. You know, let's let's say you know lightweight and above, and 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 get it, getting them out, good matchups, good exposure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, as far as this week, uh, Michael Conlon does come back. Return. It's the returns. Virgil Ortiz and Michael Conlon returning, you know, from a little gap. Obviously, hopefully it's a long enough gap for Michael Conlon in the, you know, pretty brutal knockout he had. He's going against a a veteran, faded but still a vet, Miguel Mariaga. And then Virgil Ortiz uh, trying to keep his knockout streak going against Michael McKinnonson, who's a domestic fighter from the U.K. Interesting style matchup for him to think about, but, you know, the po- clearly he doesn't have power. Does he have enough pop to even keep uh, Virgil off? That'll be kind of the decider in this. What, what do you think about uh, these these fights? Anything else you want to talk about we could talk about uh, before you head on out? Well, I'm going to you know, I'm gonna bring it up. I, I, I don't want to go out. You know, you, you don't want to get too crazy. I mean, I'll do it sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I, I was looking more and more today at that Mariaga Conlon and – you know, even before the Wood fight, even though he he was, to me he was dominant. I didn't agree with the cards. To me, he was dominating that fight before he got knocked out with Wood. But you know, Wood is, you know, he has the knockout over Kanzu, but but he was a borderline, just a, you know, really a British domestic fighter. Let's face it. And you know, and Conlon ended up getting knocked out. Um, Conlon hadn't really looked that great in his career before that. Um, even though he had a stellar amateur career. Um, Mariaga, I thought, you know, he's a veteran that sometimes gets overrated, but, you know, he's durable. He has some pop. He's 35 now. I don't know, you know, what kind of shape he's going to be in, but I think there is a possibility of an upset here. Um, I mean, Conlon coming back off that knockout, you know, Mariaga does bring some pop. See, that's the thing, you know, when you have these kind of, veteran gatekeeperish matchups and the guy brings no pop we all know you don't really have to worry about it but he brings a little bit of pop and you know in that fight last fight with Ramirez he was kind of hanging in there you know in other words I look for that too you know does the guy still want to fight he's taking a lot of shots and stuff but he kind of looked like a guy that still wants to fight yeah he got beat cleanly but you're right he did hang in there that is a good point right like it wasn't like he won or anything but but, you know, he was hanging in there, landing some decent shots. And, and I'm just thinking, like, Conlon, you know, if he gets if he gets tagged, I, I wonder. I mean, I just – I just I don't think – he's a massive favorite. I mean, you know, he's a massive favorite. But I'll, I'll just – sometimes then I just want to go to the betting angle. You know, you, you certainly you don't bet the house on this or anything like that. But I guess, I'll, I, guess I see a small play there. I think the Mariaga KO is – you know, he's not going to get a decision. So – I mean, the Mariaga KO is like plus eight fifty. I mean, how about how about ten how about ten or twenty bucks on that? You know, don't. Yeah, you really can't go wrong with that. I mean, what you know, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, don't hold 
don't don't get mad at me if you lose your if you that was right, yeah. if you lose your lunch, put a if you lose your lunch buddy <laughs> yeah. if you lose your lunch buddy Saturday don't get too mad at me but I will say that if if you want to try make try to make a little extra bucks for the weekend I, I and I'll put my money where my mouth is on that I I think a I think a ten or twenty dollar Mariaga KO play looks good to me I'm not saying Conlon might not decision but you know Conlon doesn't really. You know, he dropped wood heavily, but, you know, throughout his career before that, he has no pop either. So, you know, Mariaga has been durable. You can figure he's probably going to be able to hang in there. So I think there's a shot. He lands a bomb and, you know, maybe get something started before it's over if he's in decent shape. Um, he is 35, but I don't think it's a – I don't think it's a gimme. I don't think it's a gimme for Conlon. And now, you know, go, turning to McKinson and Ortiz – um, I was thinking about this, like, you know, with McKinsey, I've had a lot of disagreement with people, not as much so since he looked so bad against Martin in his last fight, even though I agreed he won, but he, he just looked terrible. But I, I didn't think anything of him before that. Um, you know, I, I've said this about him. I'm going to keep saying it. You know, when, when, when you're, I mean, two KOs, KOs in his career at this point, you know, with the 22 wins, 23 wins. I mean, that's a, that's not just a power factor. That's a talent factor. I mean, you know, you're you're just not that. And you know, you look who he's fought. It's all, you know, low level opposition. And the Martin thing, the guy was on short notice and and didn't really do much. I'll agree with McKinson there. Uh, he wasn't really engaging, but McKinson didn't really do anything much either. So it was just a dreadful fight. Um, but McKinson, you know, when you got that low of a KO percentage. This this is a term not used any, nowadays anymore, really. But but it fits with guys like that. I mean, you know, he may be undefeated, but he, it's like he's a club fighter. You know what I mean? And and this is where the alphabet stuff gets ridiculous because he's highly WBO rated, and that's supposedly why we quote unquote need this fight. And you know, if you had a normal system, you know, this guy wouldn't be any, anywhere near a legit top ten ranking. At, I mean, think at welterweight. I mean, think of how deep the welterweight division is and think about an alphabet organization rating this guy. I mean, you know, to me, you talk about a broken boxing system. So, you know, on the other hand, Virgil Ortiz is a guy that's been like all power so far, has a good amateur pedigree, which McKinson doesn't, even though he's a boxer, he does not have a good amateur pedigree either. So I think this comes down to me. This is a simple one. Um, Either McKinson, if he goes into survival mode, and I'm talking really like survival mode, like the Tago Ryan Garcia, because we see that happen sometimes. And look, Tago had been a guy who had actually poked into the legit top ten, believe it or not, at points, and McKinson really hasn't even done that. So, um, you know, he went into complete survival mode and got hurt, but was able to last against a puncher like Ryan Garcia just like that. It was terrible effort, but I think I could see that happening maybe uh, Saturday. You know, because look, I mean, McKinson. This is this is in these fights where where you can fans don't read into it enough. But when a guy like a McKinson's fighting, they need to. Okay, if a McKin, if which I think he probably is going to do this. I mean, if McKinson starts out, you know, like running basically right off the bat. Um, I mean, he's not knocking out. Virgil Ortiz anyway you know what I mean so like if he's not if he's not having a plan to win you know seven rounds against Ortiz uh, 
he's not looking to win the fight. You know what I mean? So, like, when, when you see rounds going by and the guy's just running, he, he's not in it to win the fight. I think that's probably what's going to happen. But I think Ortiz is going to hunt them down. I think he hunts them down probably within the first six rounds because I do think this one's a mismatch. You got one guy with a lot of firepower and better amateur pedigree. You know, I see people, they were even saying it, they were saying it more before the Martin fight. Some of them are still saying it. Oh, McKinson brings some boxing skill and he's actually got more pop than you think and all this stuff. No, really, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. And it's not. It's just it's not picking on the guy. It's just the reality of what he brings to the table. Look, look at his opposition. Look at his level of opposition. I mean, Virgil Ortiz is in another stratosphere than the guys he's fought. And, and look at how much better competition Virgil Ortiz has fought in his career. So there's nothing here. And he's proven he'll go. He's not you know uh, timid to go through and get hit a little bit to get his knockout either. Right. That's why, like, he, he wants to get you out of there. I mean, and, and you know, even against a guy who can punch, like Kavalaskis, mean machine, he he probably let himself take a few too many shots and got stung, but he got him out, you know, he got him out of there. I mean, like, so that was against a puncher. I mean, like, Kavalaskis can punch. So, you know, we, we've seen him, we've seen him be aggressive against a puncher. So I think some people want to think like, well, but McKinson's a style matchup, like where he's going to get no boxing. No, he's not. He, he doesn't have that kind of talent. The, the talent's not there. You don't have two KOs in as many fights as he's got. If you've got that kind of talent, you just, even if you're a boxer, no, you just, no. With the level of opposition he's been fighting, because those are the guys you're supposed to stop. In other words, you look at even the elite fighters, most of them, you know, when they're fighting the lower level, they're stopping those guys, and then the knockouts start slowing up. Think, think about it. This guy hasn't been stopping any of those people. You know, like I tweeted today, just I'm trying to illustrate this stuff to some people that, that aren't on that page. Ortiz had more KOs in his first three pro fights than McKinson's had for his entire career. <laughs> think, think about that for a moment. Ortiz, three pro fights, more KOs than McKinson's career to date. So, you know, and that's when you fight lower-level guys which that's what McKinson's fought pretty much his entire career. So I think it's a mismatch. Um, I think if McKinson at all tries to win, he gets knocked out within six. And if he goes, the only way I think he goes past six is just complete survival mode. And, you know, that I can't really predict or control. You know, if he, In other words, if he really just goes survival mode, from round one, I mean, maybe he runs around and gets into the second half of the fight, but but I think it would take that. I think he comes in, he tries to win, he, he goes out, he goes out early, and I think even running Ortiz hunts him down, but it just might take a few more rounds. I think he can do it within six, but that that to me is the only way it goes into the second half. Yeah, that's fair. That's pretty fair. Could be. Uh... Like you said, that Conlon Mariaga fight could have some interest in there, but yeah, I, I I think I'm I'm right there with you. Any other last uh, items you want to discuss or anything? Yeah, it was knocking someone a little bit what PBC was doing, but got got to throw it in with the zone too before we go. Just have a few notes here. Um, like I said, not, I've certainly criticized Top Rank in the past. I'll criticize him in the future in ESPN, but I think just at the moment, at the moment in time. They're on a little better run. The zone. I mean, did did you look at the did you look at the Canelo Triple G pay per view card? 
I mean, the return yeah. of Gabe, the return of Gabe Rosado. I mean, come on, you know, come yeah. on, you know, eighty four, ninety nine. Come on, I mean, when you got a DAZN subscription, and and this is where you got to knock DAZN. I mean, I, I tweeted out there, there were some UK guys who were actually becoming disenchanted with DAZN, and it hasn't even been there that long. And I was tweeting out what their U.S. schedule was that Saturday. You know, they had nothing last week, and I was just looking at it. And I'm like. This is like their normal Saturday schedule. The U.S. It was like, you know, crazy stuff like billiards and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, this this just is not Showtime where you could you know you could watch a movie or an original program. Or right. Something. But I mean, you know, you got to call them on that now that they have a pay per view, especially like this. This is come on. This is this is just not going to hold. Um, Eighty four ninety nine. What did Canada do too? By the way, why is Canada paying the most out of everybody? What kind of yeah, shit like is that? that? Like, and poor New Zealand gets lumped in with the U.S. I thought, what, 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 I thought, what, did, what did the poor, the poor boxing fans of New Zealand do to deserve that Man. to get lumped in with the ripoff we've got in the U.S. for this? I mean, in the U.K. Yeah, is this because remember yeah, they did tell it. us that that they, I've heard plenty of that. In, I was actually going to play this clip, and I'll play it really quick. They did tell the U.K. fight fans that are already subbed that. It would already be part of the package. Here's the clip someone sent me. UK, the Gennady Golovkin fight is not pay-per-view either. The Canelo Triple G fight, if it happens, it won't be pay-per-view in the UK. So there you go. Right. And that's the, the guy, the head guy in charge for boxing. Uh, that wasn't even right. Eddie. That's a step up above. So I understand the UK like, wait a second. In the middle of the night, you're going to charge? In the middle of the night. What the hell is going on? Yeah. This is outrageous because... That's why, because look, I love Sam Rodriguez. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I think he could beat Chocolatito right now, probably Estrada. Um, that's that's my feeling. But with that said, you know he, he's in against a guy he's going to be a massive favorite against, who's got really no chance. I mean, that's your co-feature at 115 pounds. I mean, Gabe Rosado. That's a great look for Bam, but like you said, it needs to be better fights on the card. Like I get right. the Bam thing. I get it because it is a great look, you know, obviously on a Canelo on a card. I think that's smart marketing, but you got to hook up the card. And and then they, you know, I understand you're going to promote your card, but some of the stuff, like a fantastic, it's like, dude, it's not fantastic. Just stop. Right. It's not great. I mean, come on. It's not awesome. Here's the card. You know what I mean? Yeah, people may be stupid, but they're not that stupid. And, and speaking of which, because it does tie in, this, this matchroom card sat, this Saturday is terrible. It's just absolute dreck. Um, terrible card. Um, I, and they got a K-Sci fight coming, too. They got yeah, a K-Sci pay-per-view. I think it's only like 10 bucks, but they got a pay-per-view coming, too, at the end of August. <laughs> Yeah, I do K I do KSI holding that controversial KSI, Logan yeah. Paul Logan Paul victory would be back sooner or later and he's back so and you know what he might get a big fight with Jake Paul one way or another so I mean that's true I, I can't I know he's, this one's on the zone but I can't discount it so in that sense it might if, if you care about the Pauls it, it might matter so. Um, yeah, I, I think that, to me, though, we talked about this being critical for DAZN, and I'm feeling it now more than ever. Uh, you know, even though that dream for them is long gone, it really was their intent. That was not BS. You know, the, the NFL streaming rights, after uh, apparently they are going to be gone from DirecTV, uh, you know, the Sunday ticket after this year. It's going to be, you know, Amazon or, or Apple. 
Um, and who and they're going to start their own one now, too. Did you see that? They're going to start a, a monthly or, or yearly thing for their own uh, yes, yes, streaming that's thing, right. too. Yeah, NFL's starting their own. I did see. I, I followed the stuff. I did see. Right. So that and that's big though because that was going to be the zone. So that's gone. That that shift. That dream has sailed once and for all. I do believe them that that was part of their plan because you know that was. I the agree. Original, I agree. Yeah. Skipper was there. I mean, that was how the original ESPN started. He didn't execute this in the same way, but that's kind of the way it got going. So it couldn't pull it off with this model. But I think this is critical because you and I have already discussed that. Canelo Triple G3 is, is probably going to be the breaking point for the future of their pay-per-view already. We both agree that. Uh, I'm kind of counting it out already. I mean, I like the fight itself, but Canelo is coming yeah, off a yeah. loss. We've seen it twice already. I don't think it's going to fly. So that, that is my, my thinking. Um, and here's the thing I'm throwing as an X factor, and, Chris, I want to see if you'd heard anything on it. I haven't. I was making assumptions, but the way you see things shifted, I'm thinking I, I, this assumption might not necessarily be right. And the thought is this. Now, we know up to this point that Joshua with Hearn, was, he, was, he always had a separate U.S. deal for him with the zone as opposed to his U.K. deal. It's already been controversial over there that the Usyk rematch is not going to be right, the zone sports, in the right. U.K., I was assuming it's going to be on the zone in the U.S., but now I'm thinking if the Saudis own the that broadcast. That is the rumor. Right that. that is the rumor, yeah. but I know where you're going. It's probably ESPN Plus or something. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, is that a guarantee? And, and you know, It's not a guarantee it, right now. It is a rumor that they got it, but it hasn't been announced. Yeah, so and I was thinking, know. does it get does it get, even if it ends up somewhere else, again, because it's, you know, not U.S. Yeah, guys. In, in the U.S., does it end up on like some kind of like crazy? I'm not saying this would happen, but it's probably not impossible. Like the way this fiasco is going, does it end up on like some kind of fight TV or or one-off pay-per-view? It could. It'll go to the highest bidder, like probably. Yeah. Yeah, like so. I just hope it's not it, pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't want that on pay-per-view. I mean, so like if here's what I'm getting to is this. We're really now seeing the high water mark because that's August 20th. So it, it could be a double shot kill. Like if if the Zone US isn't showing Usyk Joshua, I don't know right. that they're not. And then they and underachieve a month later, right? Right. That might be. I mean, yeah. they've got no other programming. That kind of might be it. I mean, because come on, are we gonna are we gonna have the Zone subscriptions just to see Ryan Garcia and Virgil Ortiz against guys we know they're gonna beat? I mean. Probably not, and probably people aren't going to. So, um, I, I think that they would, they that would be that might be the death spiral for them. Um, so, I think for them to keep, because I'm looking at it as like observers, like us, fans, like us, we don't want this pay per view. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be disowned outside of my following and commentating on the sport, but just from a fan perspective, like if I'm not going to get, I don't really have a lot of interest in continuing with the zone as a hardcore boxing fan, then I'm probably saying, Hey, I got to pay for Canelo anyway. What, what do I need this for anymore? Right. The $20 discounts cool. If you're already a sub, but if you're thinking about few people that want a sub, it's like, well, then there's, you know, they're paying the 20 bucks any or 25 bucks anyway. So they're not getting a discount. We're getting a discount on the pay-per-view, but anybody new technically isn't because you, you still got to pay 20 bucks, 25 bucks a month to get 
the subscription, then you pay the 70. So it's like, or 65. So the right. idea of us getting $20 off, I think is cool. Um, but it, especially when their whole, whole late, you know, their whole rollout was pay-per-views dead, they better give us a discount. But to a new person trying to sign up for a Canelo fight, you're not getting a $20 discount. I don't care what anybody says because you got to pay 25 bucks to get on the sub and then you're paying the, the 65. So, you know, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, man. You're right though. Yeah. That is a big, the combination of within a month's time, we should know what the next few years uh, will look like. I think so. I think we're going to, I think if, if they're going to maintain by at least a better we, idea, we're going to have a real good idea within that month from, from, you know, August 20th to September 20th. They, you know, if they, if they don't deliver the Joshua Usyk 2 on regular zone and then the Canelo Triple G3 tanks at 84.99, and it's a bad card. It really is um, top to bottom. I mean, not the top's good, but then the rest of it is it's just yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't see where. I don't see really where they go. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it really being viable. All right, Will. As always, appreciate you taking time out. Kind of a random on a Tuesday, but that's usually when the show used to be. But um, yeah, we'll be back next Monday at right around the normal time. Thanks a lot. You have a good night. All right, Chris. Great talking with you as always. Have a good night. Yep. Take it easy. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. All right. All righty. So, um, and by the way, there is some, just to get the, now I said the case, I just got a message from somebody, the case I fight, now I said from the UK perspective, and I even said it's only going to be like 10 bucks. So that's not really a big deal in my mind. I mean, <laughs> now. I'm not UK though. I'm not in the UK either where they were used to paying 10 or 20 tops, like 25. I think the, the biggest one now is 27. Um, and that that's 27 there rather than 25 for Anthony Joshua and Usyk, $2 more. They're used to, you know, cheaper ones. But the, I was, I said nine ninety nine cause I think that's the, the case I fight, but I didn't say, I said from a UK perspective, I haven't heard anything that they're going to charge 10 or 20 bucks or anything in the United States. Uh, so I want to clear that up. I did get some messages on that. Um, but the case size at the end of the month, and it, it is a pay-per-view. I mean, I've said all along that July and August on average, especially the main events, aren't great. There's, there's a handful of them that stand out. Obviously, Usyk, you know, I said this earlier, Usyk and Joshua, clearly the stand out. Uh, the other two cards we got in July, as far as main events, the Showtime and the ESPN one, those were quality main events. And, of course, I'm talking about Ray Vargas and Mike Sayo. That card was good. And then the uh, Dog Bay and, and, and Joette Gonzalez, those are good main events. Those are mid-level quality. Well, the, the Showtime is probably higher than made le- uh, you know, mid-level, but that, that's good, you know. But, um, yeah, Canada is 90 bucks if you're not a – that's the highest – 85 if you're not a new subscriber here 85 uh well for new subscribers 85 90 dollars in canada i mean that's weird like what did canada do now the 
I've heard kind of both ways on this. It's kind of funky. I've seen, like, some places Canelo Triple G2 was 85. Some places it was 80. Um, so that's kind of, I have noticed that some people paid 80, some were 85. So it's either the same amount or $5 more. So four years later, they're, they're charging $5 more. I know the ticket prices were technically higher than the second one. Um, and, and they're going to do a large ass gate, no doubt. But, um, you know, that we'll see where that gate ends up. It, it, you know, they're expensive tickets. It is what it is. We'll see the demand there. But no matter what, Canelo always produces a, a big-ass gate. But it better be clearly bigger than the plant gate. I would say that if they're going to, you know, think that they're going to have some success off this. But in the ring, I think that that matchup has been, uh, I think, a lot – or I should say that outside, the, the outside look from the hardcore fight fan – a lot of people say they don't want to see this trilogy. I'm not one of them. I still think it's a, a solid-ass fight. Um, and there is some, you know, with that Bivol loss, there is some, hey, Canelo doesn't want to lose two in a row. And Golovkin, can he put it together for one more fight? Clearly, he's past his prime. We saw that against Derevchenko. We saw that in his last fight. He's a little past his prime. But I... As a longtime boxing fan, you just can't get me to complain about this fight. You just can't because when you have Canelo Triple G1 and Canelo Triple G2, and what happened in that ring, the magic that happened in that ring, no matter how you fucking scored it, we know the first fight that that one scorecard was horrendous. I'm not talking about the scorecards. You know, I give it to Golovkin first time. I gave it to Canelo second time. Whatever. I'm not here to debate about that, but the shit was a good-ass, like, bomb-ass fight. That shit was – that was great. It was an excellent fight. Skill, power, back and forth, round by – these three rounds, that three rounds. You know, uh, Canelo took it to Golovkin in the second half. And all of a sudden, Golovkin's on the back foot a little bit, jabbing. That shit was the shit, dude. I mean, I remember seeing the second one in the theater. Actually, I think I saw both of them. Well, for sure the second one. And, yeah, it was the second one. Place was going nuts. I just, I've watched boxing too. I'm not trying to match up historical facts with you or nothing like that. I'm just saying, you can't get me to complain about this fucking fight. It's just, the two first fights, the the first two fights were just too damn good. Now, the undercard, sure. There's not much there as far as, oh, this is going to be a great fight. I understand why, though, because they got so much damn money in the main event. But clearly, just I did get some messages about this, not just the case side thing, but right now in the U.S., it's sixty-five bucks, sixty-four ninety-nine, sixty-five bucks for current subscribers. Okay, which, like I said, the least they could do is give us twenty dollars off, because they're the ones who said they're not going to do pay-per-views. So, okay, cool, thank you. Now, for a new sub, though. It's 80, 85 bucks. So it's an $85 pay-per-view for someone that's a new sub. Now, Canada, it's the same price here if you're a sub, but 90 bucks. Now, the U.K. and Ireland, current subs, it's going to be 10 bucks. Uh, new subs, it's going to – well, 10 crowns – not crowns. <laughs> that's Swedish. Um, 
it's nine ninety nine and then seventeen ninety eight for new sub. Um, but they did they were told time and time again that that was going to be part of your subscription. So I can understand, you know. But Australia is forty four ninety nine current subs, fifty eight ninety nine. You rarely see that. New Zealand, what he said, twenty four ninety nine and, and thirty nine ninety eight. Uh, in, in Kazakhstan, Mexico, and Latin America, it's not a pay-per-view. So those are the official. They released it. It's official. So that's that on that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, my point, uh, I do think Mariaga has a chance to, to do okay against Conlon. We'll probably see not as an aggressive common like going to the body and, and really standing his ground as much like we've seen in the last few fights, only because of the style. Mariaga is the one that's going to come to him. So I did think Conlon was winning that fight cleanly against Lee Wood. But beyond that, that Donahue and that other fight, like there's some fights recently where I saw him dig into the body, the jab. I really saw Conlon coming to his own. So I think he's going to win this fight, but what John said about the Mariaga knockout at, what did he say, 8-1 to one or something like that, plus 800, it's something to look at. It's something to look at. Now, as far as Virgil Ortiz, 18-0, 18 KOs, taking on an undefeated fighter, 22-0, but only two knockouts with Michael McKinnison. I've seen him fight twice before that. I went back and watched a different fight. He did pull an upset. McKinnison did over uh, that Chris Congo. Uh, he's got good movement. You know, he, he does use angles when he exits the pocket to safety. Uh, he can he likes to parry shots, no doubt. He, he can parry shots pretty well. He, he'll set up punches that way, like on a counter. I think his best punch is a left hook. I think that's pretty clear. Um, he did knock Congo down. It was kind of a push left hook. Uh, but it was crafty because he actually kind of held him. He kind of held him in place and punched him. Um, so I thought that, you know, he can counter well overall with that left hand, but he can counter a, a jab fairly well. The right hand, uh, whether it's lead or counter, it does seem kind of loopy. He does loop his right hand. Um, it all does come down to, yeah, good movement, all the stuff I just mentioned. Um, but can he do it? Is that disparity between him and Ortiz, the talent gap, it seems like it's pretty damn wide, right? And as John said, he did have a bad outing lately, you know, in his last fight. Looked kind of like, uh, huh. You know, he, he's, he's shown these, these crafty, this craftiness, but like he said, against what level? It clearly wasn't the Virgil Ortiz level, and I just think that uh, through two to four rounds, three to five rounds, I could see McKinnison landing some decent shots, and you know, but I just don't know. I mean, he does look like a heady fighter, but I just think that the way Virgil cuts out the ring, the way, like we mentioned, he's not afraid to take some to give some. And I think that's what we're going to see, you know. And I do think he'll track him down, whether it's sixth round, ninth round. I think the KO streak will will keep going. And it may be a TKO where he catches up to McKinnison and then he really 
lays into him, you know. But I, I think he is a, a good fighter, a fine fighter, Michael McKinnison. And I can see what some folks are saying about the style and how it may give some some trouble or whatever uh, just because he's fleet of foot and he can counter. But I wouldn't say he's like all that. Like I remember the Congo punch. Or no, it was early in the fight, in the first few rounds. He, he landed a left hand, but it was like a cuffing right hand. He couldn't even really land that clean to follow up. Like I said, the left hook in the looping right hand, that's what you probably look for. But I got Virgil Ortiz winning by knockout. I think Conlon will win by decision. But, yeah, I think there's some interesting stuff there. I really do. I think that you got to, uh, you know, take hold of that. Oh, by the way, William Smith and Chamberlain, Isaac Chamberlain, good-ass fight. Not fight of the year, but a damn good fight. William Smith, for me, um, won probably two out of the first three rounds. Uh, the second round was back and forth, but I still gave it to him. I, I think he won the, the first three, maybe the second. You know, I think uh, Chamberlain did land some really nice right hooks and then a late uppercut. Maybe he stole the second round, but the stuff that William Smith did early and late, the pressure, the body work, I kind of think that was, you know what I mean? I think that was it's a competitive round, third round, but, I, I, you know, I kind of gave it to him the fourth round. I think that's where Chamberlain actually was at the third or fourth that he got that eye injury. But I gave it to Chamberlain. I gave him the fifth, sixth, and seventh. They're great two-way stuff, but for me, Chamberlain closed stronger. Uh, just the fifth and sixth, he closed stronger. Uh, those short hooks on the inside, both guys were landing those, but he also landed a really nice uppercut, did Chamberlain in the seventh round. Um, then I, I thought the eighth, ninth, tenth, and 11, I gave all to Billiam Smith that, you know, he's outworking him, the body attack, um, head and body, really. Uh, it, you know, it's, it, you could kind of see in the 9th and 10th, Chamberlain started to fade a little bit. He had moments, don't get me wrong. Um, but then he came back, and, and I thought he closed the 12th round stronger, so I did give him that that round. All three had 117, 111. Uh, I think that's, you know, I think eight to four would have been just fine. I'm looking at my scorecard right now. One, two, three. I mean, maybe seven to five. I'd say eight to four because fifth, sixth, seventh, and then the last one, and then a round in there, whether you think it's the fourth or the second. You know, the fourth round was funky. The the, the recording that I saw on YouTube was kind of shaky, um, so I can't really judge the fourth round too much, but – it was a good-ass fight. It's one of the better fights of the year. Like I said, it is on Fight TV. You should check it out. It was a good fight. It's a good fight. Can't say it was the fight of the year per se, in my, my opinion, but it was good. It was good. So it, according to Eddie Hearns, it does sound like Lee Wood is in talks with some other fighters um, because of that 75-25 ruling. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Eddie Hearn did uh, reiterate in a video that he petitioned to try to get 40. We'll see if that's successful. But there has been, this is a uh, shout out to Deuce. Hope he's doing okay. The WBA has scheduled the purse bid for the bout between um, Leo Santa Cruz and mandatory chan- challenger Lee Wood. Uh, of course, the minimum of 200000 75 25 
next Friday, August 12th. So that kind of tells you that's probably not going to be 60-40, right? I mean, I think that's pretty obvious at that point then uh, because they called it, um, and that's what they're going to get. That that's what it's going to get. So, um, you know, I would, I'm definitely not surprised that he decided to go a different way. Eddie Hearn, um, you know, said that. They're going to put the Josh Warrington fight on ice. Actually, he has a, an IBF uh, mandatory challenger, Luis Alberto Lopez. Um, so, you know, going to be a wrap. Uh, um, and then, you know, there there is rumors of him, you know, going after some other fights. We've heard uh, fighters, I should say. Um, we've heard there was two names that I can't completely remember. Uh, well, Kiko Martinez. Kiko Martinez was one of them. I should say that. Kiko Martinez. And then uh, another one was... Uh, oh, Mauricio Lara. So Lee Wood Lara, or Lee Wood Kiko Martinez, who had that uptick in his career of late. Um, so that that is something that they... I did actually kind of... I think those are the two names that they were working with. So, you know, we we saw a fair amount of people try to call the bluff of Leo Santa Cruz. Um, and, yeah, you could say, oh, why hasn't he defended the belt? That's fair, but we all know the goddamn super – the super uh, WBA means you don't have mandatories for the – you know, they're changing it now. Sure, they are changing it now, but prior to now, <laughs> right – with some of these weight classes had, like, as we know, three different uh, champs or whatever, or whatever, um, you know, that's why he didn't, because they allowed it. <laughs> they shouldn't have, but it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. The Super uh, WBA is very similar to the franchise champion, where you don't, you don't have that. So um, we'll see. We'll see on that. But, you know, those are two good names. Like, if we get, you know... I, I did mention this, I think, earlier. If not, I'll, I'll reiterate it, that word. <laughs> Lee Wood and Eddie, Eddie did say that they're in talks with uh, the PBC to try to allow that unification, Ray Vargas and Leo Santa Cruz, to take place, and then he'll fight. Maybe it is Kiko Martinez or uh, Mauricio Lara. You know, that would be good. That would be a good fight. That would be awesome. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see to basically to have a fight in September, October, and then fight Josh Warrington, uh, if he were able to, you know, to come out, but that is that this is Chris McKenna, uh, it looks like Lara or Martinez. Um, so in the undercard, Maxie Hughes against Kit Gallahan, that's, he even says great matchup. I would like that. That would be bomb. So it does kind of look like that's where they're headed when it comes to that. So, you know, we'll see what ultimately comes from that. But um, I don't know. It's just like I said, a lot of things were said, you know, about that and uh, about Leo Santa Cruz, like he's going to duck Lee Wood. He's afraid to fight Lee Wood. If you want to say he probably isn't going to go – Overseas, that's cool, like I said earlier, but Santa, Santa Cruz isn't afraid of Lee Wood, dude. 
In fact, he tried to get permission to fight, in my opinion, a better fighter, Ray Vargas. So, especially Ray Vargas, who's now had some fights, and now he's back because he had that, you know, long stretch of inactivity. He just had a fight, so. That would be, that would work for me. That would work for me. We'll see, though. Like I said, we'll know real quick on that. Well, not real quick, but not this Friday, but next Friday. If, you know, it looks now that that fight, Lee Wood and Santa Cruz, isn't going to happen. Um, but if we get good fights off of it, oh, well, you know, that, sign me up, like I said. Um, another good fight that a lot of people are talking about today, Pata. You know, I talked about that earlier in the show, so I won't go over that too much. But that, sign me up for that. Here's an interesting one, which is a good fight, but just kind of like, hmm. Eddie Hearn also, and I think this is from Zone Boxing, the boxing show. Um, Eddie Hearn has revealed there's early stages of negotiations to make Jaime Munguia, Munguia sorry, and John Ryder. Which on the surface, you know, I like that fight. Now he's going up to 168, so it's like, whoa, you're going up to 68 now? It just seems like, dang, you didn't really fight much at 160, and now you're going to 68? Now I like the matchup, but wow, really? That's that's what Golden Boy is doing to Munguia? Is he, to get his uh, another big fight, he has to go to 68 to get it? It's like, damn, I mean, I know he's young and shit, but I don't know, man. It just seems like, wow, that's a big jump. And, you know, Ryder's pretty confident. He just, you know, beat Jacobs or however you feel about that fight. Maybe you thought Jacobs won the fight. That's cool. Jacobs hasn't been fighting at the high level lately as far as his. But um, good fight, but it just comes out of left field, I got to admit, um, because you know, if you look at who he fought at 160, it's like, really? So you have him? So you took away Munguia, who had agreed to terms against Charlie. You took that fight away from him, even though the fighter had agreed, the manager had agreed. And then now he's got to go up a weight class to fight Ryder. Like I said, good fight, good matchup. Excited to watch it, but damn. Okay, that's that's pretty risky, actually. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Keith Eidick reported a few days ago, Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall rematch likely to take place November 26th at the Ovo Hydro in Glasgow. Um, boxing scene has learned Bob Aram's top rank. Taylor's promoter is planning uh, the fight there at November 26th. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that I like that. I'm, I'm, I would be really happy. Here's from IFL TV. Eddie Hearn has declared that Anthony Joshua's next fight after the Alexander Usyk rematch will be December. The one thing he wants more than anything is activity. December will definitely be his next fight. I'm sure they want activity too because they, you know, if they're going to pay him. They got, they got it. They got to get it in. Oh, by the way, the schedule. I did forget to mention. Um, on Friday, Pro Box TV has that Contenders uh, series that Moran and or Moran it's Moran and Dutch over, and because it's Fernandez in uh, Castianda, I think it is, 
it's that last chance tournament. They started with eight. Now they're just down to that. Pro Box TV, very inexpensive. I think it's, what did I say, two one ninety nine per month? That's pretty inexpensive. So, you know, are they great fights? No, but they're good mid-level fights. Some people are kind of calling them, um, you know, uh, what, what did they say? Uh, oh, club-level fights. Although I've seen some club-level stuff there, I, I don't know if I'd go there. You know, I don't know if I'd go club level. I think it's maybe a little step up from that, uh, personally. But it's a good fight. You know, they could be on club level cards, but those are interesting fights. Maybe we'll get a good fight or two competitive fights. But, yeah, that's the the last stand tournament, Pro Box TV, Friday night. Yeah, it's another app, but shit, dude, it's two bucks a month. You know, was it 20 bucks for the year or something like that? Yeah, I think it's twenty bucks for the year. So nineteen ninety nine and a buck ninety nine. Eh, can't really uh you know, go wrong with that too much. Um, this is from Fight Hype. De La Hoya did sit down with Fight Hype and talk about the fight between Gervonta Davis and negotiations. His his one of the quotes was I really think that a face to face with Floyd is uh, eventually going to happen. I feel this fight is gonna get made. My guy Eric Gomez has Al Heyman's number. So I'm going to give him orders to reach out. Um, I know Floyd wants it. I know I want it. And most importantly, the fighters want it. It's just a matter of getting the networks to agree on everything. And I think we have a fight, which that's obviously, you know, pretty significant there. Um, I think there was a comment. uh, Espinoza. Espinoza said that he revealed now that discussions are now underway to potentially make Gervonta and Ryan Garcia next. He said they are still very early in the process and admitted there's significant obstacles to overcome, which, you know, I'm not going to go so long on that one (laughs) because obviously we know the obstacles potentially and all that. So uh, there is some stuff out of that interview that I may dig into later. We'll see how these negotiations go, but De La Hoya was basically saying that him, you know, Tank and Garcia are are basically the same, you know, there's no A or B or nothing like that, but whatever, I'm not going to, you could just line up the, you know, you could just line up the gates and know that, but um, someone asked about the case I who he's fighting, it's that Alex Wasabi? I think it is Alex Wasabi. It's on the Zone pay per view. The first, uh, the fight will be broadcasted live on the Zone pay per view. A price has not been announced. I saw nine bucks or ten bucks, but I don't know if that's in the states. Okay, I do not know if that's in the states that they're talking about for that fight. I, I'll just fully admit it. Um. Oh, Jake Paul. Geez. Jake Paul, this is from Talk Sport. I'm not a hater of Jake Paul, but when he says this shit, it's just stupid. Um, he says, I think Canelo and I is one of the biggest fights to be made in boxing, and I know I could beat him. People laugh at that, but Dimitri Bivol showed he's very beatable, and I have a style, range, speed, and power similar to Bivol. <laughs> Come on, dude. Just stop, Jake. That is a better, uh, 
you know, trolling job than some of his late late stuff, but seriously, dude. You 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 can fight like Bibble. <laughs> First of all, you're not beating Canelo, he's gonna knock you out, but second of all, you're gonna say you got the style like Bibble? Get the fuck out of here. Come on, dude. I know you're trolling, but come on, dude. Come on. I just got a message about the Jake Paul, who do I blame? Jake's ducking. We're going to get to that in a second. I'm not going to spend much time on that. Uh, by the way, Dan Raphael and many others have uh, reported that Don King is getting sued by uh, Dubois, Daniel Dubois, um, for not getting paid for his win over Trevor Bryant from June 11th. He still has to get paid. Sounds like, you know, well, it is a, it is a lawsuit. It doesn't sound like it. It is a lawsuit. So. No big surprise there, though. Don King not paying people money. No way. Here's an interesting – this is uh, J-Ro. This is a tweet from him talking about some news because we know Joshua Franco now is not with Golden Boy. I'm assuming he's going to sign with Matchroom because of his weight class. That would be the best thing for him. Unless he's planning to go up some or something like that, then I guess the PBC or some other place. But I just think Matchroom's a, a good landing spot. Uh, he says, this is interesting on the rumored news from Franco leaving Golden Boy and is now a free agent. On June 30th, John Ramirez was ranked 10th at 115. Um, somehow, without a fight on July 31st, a month later, Golden Boy fighter up-and-coming prospect John Scrappy Ramirez jumped to 10 or to two so 10 to two and book uh book williams also said that john ramirez jumps eight spots in the wba the new wba rankings got him up there um that indicates to, to me that joshua franco will defend versus ramirez next and it could be the co-main to bivol and zerto so that would be maybe he's staying with um, so maybe that's a fight that he'll now get to fight for that belt. Uh, you know, I don't know. So we'll we'll see when it comes to that. I, I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, other news, we'll just kind of fly through some of this. Um, do do do. Oh, <laughs> when it comes to that uh, that ranking by the WBC, outrage over the WBC announcing the rank. Uh, uh, someone would be, you know, they'd rank the winner of Paul and Rockman. Uh, Rockman makes less sense when you remember it was Bridgerweight, or yeah, Bridgerweight fight, and they aren't uh, enough fighters shamelessly to fill out the ratings uh, to such a dumb weight class. Check if you don't believe me. So they literally don't even have what forty people to rank at that made-up class, <laughs> which kind of tells you where you're at um, when it comes to that, right? Um, Yeah, that's about it for news. Oh, the um, there was a prospect, Golden Boy prospect card on Thursday. Nasty knockout. Uh, I think it was uh, Abdumaramov or whatever. That dude, first-round knockout. I do remember that one. Oh, here's a big one. Top rank uh, has signed, speaking of Golden Boy, uh, Sinesia Estrada. Sinesia Estrada, quality fighter. Um, reigning two-division world champ, uh, it says right here in the press release, pound-for-pound pound force, Estrada has signed a multi-year promotional contract with top rank. 
Um, you know, she's been having a little issues there getting fights for Golden Boy. So good for her, man. That's a great signing for top rank as well. Um, let's just get to boxing Twitter and we'll get the hell out of here. How about that? Um, every promoter basically saying Hearn has no grasp on the U.S. market works. Uh, how the how the market works, which is why DAZN needed Lev to re-up them $4.3 billion to put them out of the red. Every one of these idiots say it's jealousy. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> when you talk about, that is true about DAZN, right? That that DAZN, the, the streaming app worldwide, was... You know, they had five billion or six, five or six billion dollars worth of rights, media rights owed, right, over the next chunk of years. A lot of it has to do with uh, football, soccer, right? Because they do have some in Japan and in, in Italy. They do have some really you know, like impressive rights. But to blame that on Eddie Hearn, the four point three billion that Lev and they mean the guy who owns uh, the zone, he did just infuse like you know over four billion dollars back into it so it doesn't look like they're in the you know to put them in the red right or to get them out of the red i should say but that has that has i mean it's minor to do with eddie hearn but not near i mean that had to do with the sports rights not eddie hearn pissing away some money he pissed away millions of dollars but nowhere near four billion dollars so i think that tweet is like all right dude i have some stuff to say about eddie from time to time but that's just over the top eddie hearn didn't spend four billion dollars on uh sports rights on soccer rights overseas you know so yeah he's lost some money sure but a lot of it you know no doubt and you know the media's you know allowed him to get away with it without criticizing him for the most part uh, like they didn't do with the PBC, but to sit there and blame five billion dollars on Eddie Hearn just because it's the zone, he's boxing the zone, dude. That that's that's weak. That's that's pretty weak. That's that's a huge stretch, and it it just sounds like hate, to be honest. With you. Um. Okay, so this is rolled boxing. So Team Wood, Lee Team We Lee Wood is going to get Sergey Koval is going the Sergey Kovalev route of getting their bluff called on a sanctioned body move. Yeah, that's that's kind of what happened. Now, Stevenson and Kovalev, clearly a, a fighter that we wanted to see way more of, obviously, but uh, or that fight, you know, more than Leewood and Santa Cruz. But, yeah, they did get called on their bluff. Here's Oscar De La Hoya on Twitter. Sorry for, the can- sorry for your cancellation due to unprofessional fighters not making weight. But let's talk Jake Paul and Nate Diaz when he's free from UFC. Imagine Golden Boy Machine behind him. It would be huge. Um, Keith Thurman says, I'm too pretty, I'm too blessed. Danny Danny Garcia could never uh, pass Keith Thurman test. I beat that boy with bone spurs. (laughs) You see, I wasn't even at my best. Look, man, my IQ is higher. His feet are slow like a flat tire. Be careful what you wish for. You silly, Philly boy. This is not a game. It's not Street Fighter. 
but I will still uh, hit you with that yoga fire. What the hell? <laughs> that sounds like a tweet coming from him, huh? I wouldn't mind that Garcia uh, Thurman rematch. Um, De- oh God, he- listen to this shit. Danny Garcia easily beat the man who gave Bud hell. <laughs> Come on, dude. You either hate Bud Crawford or just love Danny Garcia, or just are like straight PBC all the way fanboy or something. But come on, dude. Come on. Come on. Seriously. First of all, that Benavides fight was in 2018 at 147. So let's just straighten that out. And he didn't give Terrence Crawford hell, dude. Yeah. He put up a better fight uh, than what people thought. But to sit here and be like, oh, dude, he put him through hell. Come on, dude. Come on. I've never heard Danny Garcia or Angel Garcia admit they lost a fight fair and square. First with Keith Thurman, he ran in politics. Second with Sean Porter, Sean Porter politics in New York, uh, New York Commission. Third with Errol Spence mental health. Yeah, I mean, I said that earlier today too. I mean, that was a little, you know, little weak, little weak, I'd say. Um, do do do. Oh, here's Lefty shots out the chicken talk and Lefty doing your thing, man. Jake Paul agreed to move up 12 pounds to 200, then 17 to 205. Now people want to move up 27 pounds to 215. Uh, this wouldn't be expected of any boxer, nor would a commission allow it. That'd be like Loma versus Benavides at 162 catch weight. And it's not exact science there because we're talking about heavyweight, but this Jake Paul hate has gotten delusional. And yeah, it, it really has. If we're being honest, you know, if we're being honest, uh, and you know, to get fights approved last second is, is a little bit tougher than people thought. Um, anyway, let's go into that. Let's, let's cover that quickly. So the first rumor was that, you know, uh, that the ticket sales weren't doing great. So that's why they canceled it. Right. Then Jake Paul came out and said, you know what? We've been watching his weight, or the the commission, by the way, the New York State Athletic Commission was watching his weight, having him weigh in and whatnot, because, you know, he's a heavyweight, and he did have to make 200. So I can see some of that, right? Now, the commission did change it to 205, and Jake did agree with that. He said, all right, 205 is fine. And now we've heard both sides. First we heard Jake, then we heard Hasim Rockman, who – Junior, who, who did a press conference, right, like an hour-long press conference, did other interviews as well. And he basically said, they gave me till that Friday. So his, his manager was saying at like 12 Eastern, uh, during, like noon, right, on the East Coast, they had 12 hours through an email. They had 12 hours. This is their side of it. That they had 12 hours to take the 205 and sign the new contract for 205, right? Now, this isn't Going back and forth with weight a week out of weighing in is not the time to do it. Now, if you miss weight and you negotiate after the weigh-in, that's different. But a week before the fight, now Rockman's side said, well, okay, I have till 12, so I came back with let's do 215. If the commission is going to give me 205, then I'll try to get 215. And he said, this is his side of it that it was a negotiation tactic to try to get him a little bit more weight, whether it's 207, 210, 212, 
whatever, right? And he did mention how, well, I, I was willing to, you know, I was willing to fight for the $5,000 minimum. That's what he said, right? But th- there's two things that have come out now that are shaky as hell. First of all, manipulating with a screwdriver, his trainer, and I'm about to show you, uh, have audio from the man himself, Haseem Rockman Jr., saying that they manipulated the weight in the video, okay, which is shady as fuck, okay? But, and then also, Stephen Espinoza came out and talked about, because there was a lot of, a lot of, okay, Jake, maybe Jake's side is kind of bullshit, right? There's, a, there's three sides to a story a lot of times. There's, there's Jake's side, there's, you know, Haseem's side, and then there's what happens. Sometimes it's right in between. That's how all this stuff generally works. But now we have more information. We've heard from Jake. We've heard from Rockman. And, and I'll say this. I, don't, I understand what he's saying about the 215 thing, like, hey, why not try, right? But when you're a week out and they just gave you two of they gave you an extra five pounds, which, you know, losing weight is a big deal. And I understand his last fight, he weighed in at 225 or whatever, and he's been higher than that before. So I get why – the thing is, you signed a contract for 200 dude. You said you could do it. Now, who knows? He, he's now saying that he's going to have a, a weigh-in at 205 on this Friday, regardless to prove he could make it. And that's fair. you know. So his side of the story was it was a negotiating thing. But the thing is, when the commission – when you've already agreed to 200 and the commission gives you five and Jake agrees, you've got to take that. You got to take that. So he's saying, well, at eight o'clock they called it off instead of waiting till uh, midnight. But they didn't say let's negotiate till midnight. They said you got to sign this shit. And now we're hearing from Espinoza in the commission. Okay, uh, and these are two different things. Okay, they're saying, oh, you know, in between, let's just hear that side. And these are two different tweets. Okay. One of them was from Joe Abib earlier, shouts out to Abib, and another dude, some anonymous guy, whatever. He said on Saturday his team reportedly told us they weren't even trying to make 200 or 205 anymore, and they were going to weigh in at 215. Then they called our all-access team to tell them not to shoot anymore, like, you know, shoot the video. This is what he said to to Abib. He said the – the New York State Athletic Athletic Commission, not Jake, but the Athletic Commission was the one who increased the max weight to 205. Jake Paul agreed. Team uh, Rockman responded that they're going to weigh 215. It wasn't a request. It wasn't a proposal. It was a statement. This is what we're doing. Now, he said attempts were made to change their mind but they repeatedly stated they're not going to go below 215 and then, like I said, told, uh, told us to stop filming the all-access. So when you hear it from both sides and then you start to get a little bit more fact, and guess what? He hasn't come out and said that's bullshit. Now, maybe he will. Maybe he will. I'll give him an opportunity to come out and say that. Maybe, maybe, maybe he will come out. Hasim, right? But to say, how about 215, 
he plays it off like it was negotiation. But the way this is now looked at, whether it's commission or Espinosa, whatever, is like there was no let's negotiate. That's it. But here, here's the screwdriver thing real quick before we shut it down. Um, now, that video, that, like I said, I want everybody to go watch that video that Jake and BJ is tweeting and know why that video was never made public and why that video was never accepted by the commission or his team and they made me come back and do a whole nother video. My, like I said, man, y'all. There you go. This is out his, his own coach had a screwdriver manipulating the weight so it made him look like he was 215 or 216. That's shady as fuck. And it can get people hurt, by the way. <laughs> it can get people hurt. And that's why the commission was like, nah, dude, we need to see the whole video. Don't do this angles. And when you see the angles on that video, you do see they're trying to mess with it. Anyway, I'm out. Enjoy the fights. We'll be back next week. Peace.